Hey, welcome to the 323rd episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony. This is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are awesome supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash jmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. As I was just talking about X-Men, The Hidden Years, John Byrne. I think I might, I think I might finally talk about something. I think I might do it off my mind. I, I, there's something I want to talk about, just like a current story, story arc and, um, you may be able to figure it out because it's just like, it's kind of over. So sometimes I'll come with topics, sometimes movies and other things like that. But if you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That's ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. With this episode, the movie feature. <laughs> so, okay, I messed up last week. At the end, I'm like, next week is going to be the Marvels. For some reason, I was thinking, I I don't know why I was thinking the Marvels was out this week. I knew it was like Memorial Day weekend. I had that like in the back of my mind, but I guess I guess I was thinking that, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> so um, it's not the Marvels. I realized this, I think it was like Sunday or Monday. Then I'm like, oh, no, I had, there's no, there's nothing coming out this week. And I kind of look on the release calendar thing that I that I look at. I was like, "There's nothing," and I'm looking at it's like, "Okay, you know, there's always other movies come out, some video on demand, and you know, just like smaller things and some artsy stuff." Uh, but I was just like, "Man, there's nothing." Then I was like, "Marsh King's Daughter," like, "What the heck is that?" So I I click on it. I was like, "Oh, that's Daisy Ridley. She's she's awesome." And Ben Mendel Mendelsohn, you know, he was just in uh, Secret Invasion, uh, Talos, uh, the Scroll. So I was like, okay, click, watch the trailer. And I'm like, I want to see this movie. So you can hear about that. It's based off a book. And I'm going to check out the book too at at some point. Um, And then, uh, so here's the thing. I wasn't planning on this. Bodies, it's a Netflix show. And it turns out this was actually a Vertigo comic that somehow, I think it was 2014. Somehow I totally missed this. It's, it's, I don't know how he missed that. And I don't remember. Maybe I, maybe I, I don't know. I just, I never read it. So um, I'm going to fix that. And uh, so I'm going to kind of briefly, I think I was just talk about episodes one through three. And then maybe next week I'll just kind of do, and I'm going to do this just like a quick recap. I'm not going to do like the full on thing. So that'll make it go a little faster. So then maybe next week I'll, I'll just finish off the rest because, uh, yeah, so you can hear about that. Then Rick and Morty, only one Doom Patrol. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to do one per week, even though, you know, there's, I think, three other episodes or something like that. Um, and then Loki, Loki after last week was nuts. And I think that's it. So let's get to the news. At first, it didn't seem like there's a whole lot of news, but I, I guess there's a, a decent amount. Um, nothing really major. Superman and Lois. Not not really surprised. Uh, season four is going to be the final season. So this is like the end of uh, the CW stuff. So even though Superman and Lois kind of veered off, veered away from the Arrowverse, you know, it did kind of get its, its roots there or start there. Uh, it's uh, basically not being renewed for season five. So, you know, this next season, whenever it's going to start now because of delays and, you know, the strike and all that, 
it was already a reduced season and i, I think they're just like like yeah that that's gonna be it because you know it's it's not a cheap show to do i guess so we have that a lot of delays the penguin the the max show has been delayed looks like it's going to be it was supposed to be out in the spring and now it looks like it's going to be fall of 2024 so that's that's not really a surprise welcome to dare i think there's like some hbo things there's a bunch of hbo uh you know press conference news or something like that welcome to dairy which i really don't know i mean hopefully this is gonna be a good show but i really don't know how you why we need a a pennywise prequel show when we already know the story but that looks like it's gonna come out sometime in 2025 bad news um the last of us it's gonna resume i mean the good news is it's gonna resume production probably in 2024 but it's probably not gonna come out until 2025 which sucks <laughs> we have that um there's also house of the dragon that's I, they're shooting for summer 2024 uh, I don't know how far they were. You know, did they start that already? But okay, that that's that's good. Um, then some other things. Uh, there was a trailer. Some a couple trailers came out. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. So this is the fourth movie, and I'm I'm so happy. I'm so glad that Disney now that you know Disney owns the rights from you know for 20th Century Fox. I'm so glad that they're not just like rebooting it. Like let's just start over and do our own thing. That they're actually honoring the last three movies that came out because they, they were good for, you know, for the most part and everything. So I, I like that they're continuing the story rather than just starting all over, which, you know, has, would have its pros and cons from, from their, their aspect. But at least with this, they don't have to start over. You know, they don't have to really rebuild the world all over again because it's, it's already there. So they can just go further. So we'll see how this is going to, um, play out it's supposed to be like a few years after the last one it has a uh, cornelius the son of caesar and uh it's supposed to come out memorial day so hopefully that that's still going to happen echo to the marvel show there's a bunch of stuff about this uh there's a new trailer came out and the trailer actually actually looks looks pretty good uh vincent Don, donofrio is that that how you say it he's he's such a good kingpin and it's so weird because i i, I hate the kingpin i hate him in comics i just think he's such a it's such a doofy character that's like, who's this guy that, you know, he thinks he's all that. But the, the performance he does, it, it's just, it's so unsettling in a way. I mean, he's so good at it and it's just so menacing. Uh, so I definitely, you know, the the pink kingpin we saw in Daredevil and in Hawkeye, I mean, he's he does such a good job. And, and it, it's, that's the only thing I'm looking forward to. As far as like Echo, I'm, I was never really the biggest Echo fan. You know, I'm, I'm glad she exists for, you know, obvious reasons. And then uh, the Hawkeye show, she wasn't my favorite part of the show. And then when they're like, they're doing a Hawk uh, Echo show, I'm like, okay. But what's what's interesting is the director had mentioned like her powers are changing. Uh, he said something like like her, her powers are lame. <laughs> it's like that's that's a little harsh to just rip on the, a character like that. But what you know what, what what's really interesting about this is uh, it's going to be TVMA. And so this is the first Disney show or whatever, you know, Disney Plus show that's going to be TVMA. Because like at the end of the trailer, it's like, make sure you, you change your settings to mature or whatever so you can watch it. And the other interesting, so this comes out on January 10th. They're, they're going to drop the whole thing. So I think it's only five episodes. They're going to drop all five at, at once. Um, 
And I, I remember hearing about this a few, few, few months ago or whatever, where some people were saying, like, oh, yeah, it's so bad. You know, Disney just wants to crank it all out, drop it all at once. So people just like watch and forget about it. Just, you know, get it over with, get it out of the way, which I, I don't believe that. I mean, who, who knows? But I, I'm not a fan of this, as, as you're probably aware. I, I, think, I think it's a bad thing because, you know, you look at I, I mentioned with Loki last week, you know, with that big cliffhanger. If, you know, you just had the next episode, like, moments later, then it's, it's not a big deal. So, and that's how I feel about that show, Bodies, that I am going to talk about, is, you know, where things kind of end crazy, and then it's just like, do 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 then click, next episode. But also with, with Echoes, it's also going to be on Hulu uh, until April 9th. It's like, okay, that, that's interesting. I guess, you know, it's more, get more people to watch it. I mean, that, that's the important thing. There's still Jonathan Majors. So there's this big variety article. And to me, it seemed like a, a bunch of hate on Disney. And, you know, it happens like that. I could be wrong. But there's like all these reports and stuff like that. I have to question is like, how, who, who's reporting on all this stuff? Because there's some stuff that just seems kind of outlandish. And what we've seen since that article came out, there's a lot been a lot of like, um, no, that's that's not the case. So you know, you always have to be hesitant and so when when someone's like, here's a rumor, here's a source, here's this. You know, I really don't think. I mean, there are, there are some outlets out there that will flat out make up stuff. You know, they will say whatever they want and uh, you know just to try to get the clicks. And they're looking to they, they get this rush of traffic. And then maybe it, it turns out that it's completely wrong. But then people are going to forget. They, they still got their traffic. They still got those numbers so they can go off of that or whatever. I don't get it because you're not going to build a long-term audience if, if you're just reporting fake made-up stuff. And then you can try to twist like, oh, no, they changed their mind or this, that, whatever. But you, you, you can't do that. It's, it's not a good thing to do. And it's not ethical, you know, come down to it. Then, then the other thing, <laughs> I forget what, what I'm, where I'm going with this, is... Basically, you know, when when people are reporting on all all this stuff, you know, you have to take it with a grain of salt because where is all this information coming from? Who is reporting on this? Because you know, when I was working, you know, doing Comic Vine and then you know, Gamespot, you know, we were owned by CBS, you know, CBS Interactive, you know, big corporate. I I have to wonder when all these places getting these sources, you know, insider information. Why is this happening? Who is is giving giving out this information? Because you know, my question is, are they getting paid for this? Because if some random person is like, you know, working on a set or doing this or not, you know, what, what is, what are they, what are they gaining out of revealing this stuff? Because they're not getting the credit for it. You know, it's, it's like whoever the major scooper is like, I found this out because someone told me they get the credit for it. They get the the glory because isn't that's what, that's what the internet is about. People want fame and glory, right? For the most part. So if someone is just telling this, they get nothing out of it. You know, all they're doing is watching. Unless they're like loyal to this site or this person or this whatever, they're they're sitting and saying, "Yeah, I get to watch you get get the accolades, get the credit, and, you know, whatever." I just don't understand it. I mean, again, unless you're getting paid, someone might be like, "Hey, you give me a tip. Here's a hundred bucks or whatever." But it's like, how can you afford that for one thing? And so what I was saying is, you know, when I was working for this big corporate. We never, there was never any mandate like, hey, try to fish out some information and, and we'll give you, you know, we'll, we'll cut, cut a check out for whoever. There was never any of that. No, you reported on the news. And, and yeah, if you can get like some sources and stuff like that, awesome. But you don't try to get 
you know, sneaky information. Because then the other thing, you know, you also have to kind of play, you know, pick and choose what you're doing. Because when you report on, on stuff that's unreleased, you know, it, it's kind of a game. And, and you know, you, you kind of choose, you know, maybe you don't want to play that game. Because, you know, when I, in the comic world, you know, I would have, I'm not going to mention anything, obviously, but I sometimes had writers or artists or whoever give me some inside information about like, oh, what do you think about this? Or this crazy thing happened. And, and some of the stuff was like, holy crap. And there's stuff that, that when it, you saw it play out, I mean, it, it was crazy. It was awesome. And it, it was it was a nice feeling knowing that they wanted my opinion or my thoughts and, and you know, on, on this. And I could have easily like, okay, here's an article, here's a breakdown, here's this. But again, that's not the point. Because if, if I did that, you lose that trust. Then the, the whoever the publisher was, you know, after like, dude, why are you posting this, you know, stuff like that? We're not going to give you any access to anything else. Because with, you know, if, if you may or may not know, but in the comics industry, they're very controlling over how interviews happen for the most part, you know, depending on, on, on the, I guess, the publisher and all that. But, you know, you want to talk to so-and-so about this, you, you need approval. You can't just walk up to him and talk to him because, you know, it's, it's all just this whole complex thing. So anyways, I just don't understand when this information comes out. This has gone on way too, too long of a segment t- talking about this. So all this news came out and it's just, some of it is just, it doesn't make sense. Um, like one of the things that they're saying, uh, Jonathan Major is going to be replaced. You know, they already have plans and maybe they do. But the thing is, poor Jonathan Majors, if he's innocent, you know, he, he, has, he hasn't gone to court yet. And it could just be someone saying all this stuff and, you know, maybe there's, there's nothing to it. But then again, maybe there is. And maybe he is going to be found guilty of assault or whatever. And then Disney's like, well, we can't obviously use him, you know, especially if he's in jail, we can't use him. Or even if he just had, pays a fine or whatever, he's got that tarnished reputation. So it's, it's just hard to, you know, what are they going to do? So obviously, you know, with, with Kang being such a huge part of the Avengers, you know, Kang Dynasty is all that, they got to rethink what they're doing. So there, there, there's supposedly this big Marvel retreat. And again, who's going to this Marvel retreat? How many people are there? If, if there's, there's a limited number of people going there, and if one of those people leaked out this information, shouldn't it be kind of, I, I, I would be ticked off if I was like, the, as like I'm like, who the heck is, is talking? Because you are going to lose your job if you do that. So I don't understand that. But they're saying that, oh, maybe Kang will be replaced with Doctor Doom, which, um, okay, you haven't even introduced him yet. You know, at least with Kang, you know, he exists. You know, you know, especially in Loki, Loki and Ant-Man, Quantum, you know, you got all this stuff happening there. So blah, 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 all this stuff like that. But there's also stuff about talk about like the Blade script. And they're like, yeah, Blade was like reduced to like a, a fourth tier character. And it was all about so like a woman's agenda or this or that. And there's a, a script writer. He he went on Twitter or X or whatever. He's like, uh, I wrote an early or worked on an early script. There is none of that. You know, Blade was in like pretty much every scene. Things may have changed since I left because, you know, it was like he did whatever first draft or second draft and things happened. He's like, so I would find that kind of hard to believe they would do that. And then there's also people are talking about uh, the director of Marvel's. They're saying, you know, she wasn't even there towards the end. You know, this big multi-million dollar movie and she like ran off to work on another movie and all that. And then there's an article in Collider. They're like, "Uh, no, she was very much involved at the end as well. And even though she was started working on another movie, you know, people do that. 
and they're they're talking like you know people directed entire movies over zoom and they're like they they this i forgot who said it they mentioned like joss whedon directed an entire movie while doing avengers and he got praised for it but is it because this is a woman directing this is the marvel this is uh the marvels or captain marvel brie larson you know people just i feel like people just want to hate on, on this People are like, like, oh, the Disney movies are so successful. Let's knock them down. And I, I think, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand that. I mean, I am enjoying the movies. Are they all great? No. But they're a lot of fun. You know, Blue Beetle, DC, nothing to do with it. Not a great movie. I really enjoyed that movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. And, you know, the, the, all the Marvel movies, I, I'm, I'm digging them. And I just don't understand why people... Are like hoping like oh the Marvels is gonna is gonna bomb it's gonna fail it's not gonna do this why would you even entertain that thought why would you hope that why don't you try to be optimistic you know what there's so much friggin negativity out there why would you wish you know why, I don't understand that if the movies fail then we're not gonna get these there are so many Marvel characters and people complain like oh they're they're putting out too much stuff I feel like they're not putting out enough. There's so many characters. You know, where's the Squirrel Girl feature, movie, TV show, whatever? And, you know, maybe she's not super in demand. How come we haven't had friggin' Hobgoblin in anything? You know, how come we don't have more Moon Knight? How come, you know, there's like so much stuff that we could do. I don't understand why people are complaining or saying there's too much. It'd be one thing if it was like Avengers, Avengers, Avengers 1, Avengers 2, Avengers 3. You know, yeah, there's different Avengers, but a lot of other characters. And, you know, maybe there's a lot of overlap, so maybe that makes it feel like there's a lot. But it's like, no, I want movies and shows for everything i mean that's that's what i crave and that's what we grew up craving so i think people are maybe they're spoiled now because back in the day I mean, we had garbage we had stuff we had you know someone painted green lou ferrigno you know he was you know such a great job for what what he had to had to work with and and we ate it up that's what we had that's all we had and now we have all this great stuff and people are just complaining it's like, oh my gosh, get over it. Stop being a little crybaby. <sighs> so anyways, <laughs> I, I, I'm, what is the next Marvel movie? <laughs> I want more. Oh, the, the, the Marvels. The, <laughs> I'm like, where's my Marvels? <sighs> what, if you're looking for a big, huge franchise and everything, Rebel Moon. <laughs> Zack Snyder. Uh, there's there's a, a prequel animated series happening. <laughs> There's going to be a narrative podcast happening. Oh, my goodness. I, I kind of, I don't even know if I want to watch Rebel Moon. I'm just like so over. It's it's like not even close. This is December. It's like I kind of want nothing to do with this because I'm just so tired of just all this. Oh. Anyways, Joker 2 is nearly finished. And I think it was like a cinematographer. He's like, you know, people are going to be blown away or this or that. It's, it's You know, I hope so. But, you know, I, I saw like at least two or three different articles talking about this and, and maybe they're, you know, quoting the same quote or whatever, because that's what pe- sites tend to do. That I mean, that's all I'm doing. I'm not generating this news. I'm you know getting it from other places. And I mean, what what is someone going to say? Yeah, I'm working on this movie. It, it's just OK. It's like, no, you're going to say this is going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And then you're like, well, I was just excited in, in the moment. I mean, I don't know. I am not excited for the Joker 2. I hope it's good. That was that was my shoe squeaking. I hope it's really good. I just, I don't like the concept. I, I do not understand why it's a Joker, even though, you know, we had good performance and all that, but whatever, not my call. Speaking of kind of Joker, whatever. So as it was Halloween, 
Uh, this is <laughs> not really news report, but uh, the ladies of Riverdale, uh, Camilla Mendes, Madeline Pitch, and Lily Reinhardt, right? Um, so Veronica, Cheryl Blossom, and Betty, as I listed them, they dressed up as uh, Gotham City Sirens, basically. Camilla was uh, Veronica, let's just say that. Veronica dressed as Catwoman, like Julie Newmar, Catwoman. Uh, Betty, Lily Reinhardt, was dressed as Harley Quinn. And Cheryl, uh, Madeline, was dressed as Poison Ivy. And they, they were good costumes, and they were great pictures. You know, they had, one her, I'm assuming, one of her friends, some professional photographer, take these pictures with lighting and smoke, and they look, look cool. And, and that's like, dang, I, I, I want them to do a Gotham City Sirens movie. Um, not at Riverdale's over, which I still got to catch up on that at some point. Uh, there was a, a, another trailer, uh, Godzilla Minus One. Is, I don't know if I watched the only trailer. There's a trailer. It's like 16 seconds long. It looks interesting. It looks a little old school. You know, it kind of looks classic. I don't know anything about I really don't know anything about it. I haven't read anything. I don't know what the story and how where this goes. And um, It's like, okay, we have that. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe watch it if, if, if it fits my schedule. The Star Wars, the Daisy Ridley uh, Star Wars script is supposedly due at the end of November, like November, I think it was November 23rd, something like that. So then that gives them a Lucasfilm, you know, a couple of weeks to read it, make some notes or whatever. And then, you know, before the break, before the end of the year, so then hopefully like 2024, you know, uh, get started on, on pre-production doing all that. And then uh, the last bit of news is uh, Futurama, which I need to get caught up on Futurama. And uh, it's been re- renewed for two additional 10-episode seasons. So, yay. Uh, that's, that's great. And that is also great that that's the end of the news, so we can move on. All right, with comic books at Image. It felt like there wasn't a whole lot of comics this week, especially at Image and, and DC. Let's see, we had Bad Karma. What the heck is Bad Karma? Um... Alex DeCampi, Ryan Howe, uh, D. Cunif. See, Cliff Ching said, this is on the cover, with a biting wit and stylishly impressive art, Bad Karma is both explosive and heartfelt, the kind of action comedy Hollywood doesn't make anymore. Um, that sounds interesting. This is, a, this is like a full-length thing. This is like a 200-and-something book. So um, I did not read that. So I, I, I can't tell you much about that. I can't tell you anything. Uh, let's see. What did I read? There was um, No One Number Six. So this is a Brian Bucciolato, Kyle Higgins. Uh, there's like the, a killer, like copycats and there are people, the investigation and the and like media. They have a podcast going on with this, which I, I feel bad because I'm, I'm like not caught up on the podcast or anything like that. I, I think it's really, really cool that they're, they're doing that. And uh, this, the story, you know, kind of takes place in real time. So time passes. This, as, as I read this, I mean, I wonder how it would be like reading it in a trade because I haven't done it as a trade. And because and, I feel like with the gap, sometimes, you know, you're just like, wait, what's going on now? Oh, this person's out of jail and, you know, stuff like that. So it's interesting. To, you know, we'll see where, where that's going to go. Um, Sacrificers number four. So this is Rick Remender. And... Um, let me see who does the art. I, f- I forget. Uh, Max F- F- Fiumara. Um, Dave McCaig does the colors. Um, what I realized is when I went to read issue four, it's like, oh, I never read issue three. So I was like, where's my issue three? Read issue three, read issue four. 
And uh, so this, if, if you've been listening, if you know what I'm talking about, what this book is about, it's like this weird um, kind of fantasy world. You know, there's like different species and, and stuff like that. And basically someone from each, I don't know if it's from each, probably each village, someone has to make be a sacrifice. And where we start off, like the main character is kind of like this pigeon, this bird, like hu- human-sized bird pigeon person was sacrificed and we see them uh, you know this this character this, this dude and, and a bunch of other people they're taken in chains and you know you have all these different species being taken to wherever and you see like the kingdom there's this big ball thing happening and uh say so i not we we see like at the end of issue three and we see it like in issue four what the sacrifice is for i really don't feel like i should be mentioning that so even though it, it's out there, you know, because if it was issue three, it came out last month. But I kind of feel like if, you know, if, if you're still waiting to read this, if you're waiting for the trade, I don't feel like I should be spoiling that. But when I saw it, it's, it's, uh, oh man, is, is how, what it is. And, uh, I really don't know how I feel about that. It's, it's, it's a little disturbing. I mean, obviously if these, you know, all these people are going to be sacrificed for something, but it's just like, oh, so um, you should be reading it. It's 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 interesting, and and the main thing is because it's it's something else. It's it's not like your usual thing. So I, I think that's pretty cool. There's Untold Tales of I Hate Fairyland, and they're they're fun. They're okay. Uh, it's just because they're not like the it's not the main story. You know, it, it kind of feels like like okay, this is something that supposedly happened before. Okay, that that's fine, but it's like nothing that's you know blowing me away i guess they're just fun stories and you know if you really like the world and everything you know, it's definitely worth it if you are invested in it but yeah it was, it was just okay at marvel we had um the avengers number seven so this is twilight dreaming part one and <laughs> this starts off with it's like you see massive destruction and death and it's like wait what's going so once you start seeing all these people dying you're like okay this this can't be real and then there's a weird part because you see carol danvers you know captain marvel but she's in her ms marvel like her, her black and like gold outfit you know the, the like swimsuit whatever outfit and it's like wait what's happening and so it's just it's it's weird and um there's this you know, menacing threats and, and stuff like that. And there, there's, uh, it, this is kind of going along with the, the warning that Kang tried giving them and everything. So it's like, oh man, what's, what's happening? It's like, aren't they going to get a break? Dr. Strange issue nine. So more on the, the, I keep forgetting what, what they call him. If, if it's just a general, general strange. Yeah. General strange. So general strange was Dr. Strange fought in this war. He fought in this 5,000 year war. And it was like a magic war and, and things just got like really intense and, and all that. But then as they made the peace treaty and all that, one of the, the, the conditions were like, well, we, we want this general strange to lose all memory of this because he's too much of a threat, blah, blah, blah. And then the, the elders or whoever, the Agamo, Agamo, uh, whatever, they're like, okay. And so this basically 5,000 years of Dr. Strange was locked away. When Dr. Strange was killed, it escaped. So now it's taken form and it's, he's, you know, this dude who's been 5,000 years old doing stuff like that. And uh, so, yeah, there's a big battle and stuff like that. And I, I'm really, in, I'm really digging Clea. You know, I'd never cared for her as a character before. And I, I think because she was, she never really did anything. 
you know, she was just like relegated to, you know, like, oh, here's the woman that is in love with Doctor Strange, even though she's got this, you know, crazy past or connections. And so I, I like that she's um, she's like just tougher and, and fierce. It's 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 uh, I'm, I'm digging her presence in this book. Um, then there is it's Jeff, the Jeff verse. Um, I, so I love Jeff. Jeff is a land shark that appeared in West Coast Avengers. So this is uh, Kelly Thompson's West Coast Avengers. Um, what I love about this, so these are these are reprinted um, from the Marvel Unlimited from a digital app. I'm pretty sure they're all you know just digital shorts. Um, what I love about this is we have Gwenpool. I absolutely adore Gwenpool. She's uh, like one of my students. They're like, who's your favorite you know female Marvel character? And I'm without. I'm like Gwenpool. And she's like, who's that type of thing? So I went through this whole whole thing, like explained it and all that. And I, there's just something, and I, I part of what goes along with it is Guri Hero's art. So just read the unbelievable Gwedpool. I mean, I cannot praise that book enough. I mean, it's just, I just, I, I, I just, like I said, I adore the character. So Jeff is just, these are just wacky tales. Jeff doesn't talk. So, you know, a lot of these are, are, are quiet stories, but it, they're just, I really, really like Jeff. And Guri Hero. Guri Hero's art is amazing. Magneto issue four. So I wasn't, I was not crazy about this series. I only, lo I love Todd Knox art and, you know, seeing like the classic New Mutants, you know, X-Men era. Uh, but the story just didn't quite do it for me. Uh, you know, and it's J.M. Demetrius, you know, and I usually dig his stuff, but there's just a lot of, oh, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it just did, didn't quite do it for me. And part of it is also the fact that it's it's like one of these like retro stories. It's like supposedly took place in the past and everything. I do like the way it ended, like the the last page. It was I I, I dig that. I, I appreciated, if anything, that that's what it came down to for that moment. That that kind of made it worth it. So that was nice. Scarlet Witch, uh, actually, you know, I didn't read this. I'm just. I'm 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 falling off of this book, which is unfortunate because I I love Scarlet Witch. I I mean I really dig the character, but I'm just not really feeling this. So we had this evil woman who's doing some stuff. So I I'm actually, I'm, I'm probably I have to read it. I will read it. Uh, then there was Spider Boy issue one finally came out, and um, it's it's good. You know it's it's weird the fact that I think Spider Boy is only like ten years old. So it's, that's just, it's weird and it's a little disturbing that, you know, it's so young that you would have this hero. So we get to see more of Spider-Boy and uh, just trying to do this whole thing. And because the, the, the weird thing is he has all these memories, like they're fighting this dude at this bowling alley and he knows who the, who the guy is. And Spider-Man is like, who's this? It's like, what? So there's something. The only th thing I don't like is the connection to who may or may not have been responsible for Spider-Boy getting his powers is how I'm going to word that like carefully. So um, we'll see where that's going to go. Uh, Star Wars issue 40. Wow. It's still dark droids. I'm, I'm just, I'm so done with dark droids. And that, even though there wasn't a whole lot of that really here, but there's stuff with, you know, the, the fact that Lobot has been infected and Lando comes back to the rebels to Leia and he comes clean. It's like, yeah, we went to Jabba's and, you know, Han was there and, you know, he, cause he wants to save Lobot and 
he, he gets kind of hoity-toity with, with Princess Leia. He's like, oh, you just don't, don't care, be, whatever. You, or you only care because he may have, he may be useful to you and stuff like that. And she's like, dude, shut up. It's like, I care because, you know, he's, you're, you're guys are friends or whatever. So we'll, we'll see where that's going to go. Um, Ultimate Universe. It's, you know, this is, what issue is this? Um, oh, wait, Ultimate Universe. This is issue one? Oh, I go because the other was Ultimate. So here, I, I just, I don't know where this is going. And uh, I'm waiting for things. It's because we're still connected with the maker, the you know, ultimate Reed Richards, who I cannot stand and how he's like manipulating things and, and all this. So he's, he's really trying to mold the world in like how, how he wants, I guess. And so, you know, we have, we're seeing these different versions of characters which is interesting because that's like what the ultimate universe was about. It's kind of the same thing, but also having the freedom to kind of make some tweaks or reinvent some things. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see where that's going to go. But I mean, I'm, I'm super excited for ultimate Spider-Man after that press release that came out last week, but I'm just, I'm still not excited about this because I just don't know where it's going to go. Uh, speaking about, don't know where it's going to go. Venom 27. So we have black widow now as a, a symbiote. I'm just, I don't care about the story. You know, I'm trying to read this. Like, oh, who is this person that's kidnapped? Uh, they were hosting a symbiote. I don't even remember what symbiote it was, and I don't care who it was. And too many symbiotes. And uh, I, I don't I don't know. It's it's weird. I've, I wish, I, well, I, I'm sure I could find out, but it's like I, I wish I would have saw when Natasha first decided to hook up with a symbiote. And it just, it seems so bizarre, but we'll see where it's going to go. Um, then there is a White Widow uh, comic that, that came out. So this is by Sarah Gailey with art by Alessandro Miracolo. Uh, Matt Mila does the colors. Um, I'm intrigued with the, the Yelena um, character. And, you know, so what I, you know, I just have to keep reminding myself, this is not the same Yelena from the movie. You know, this is not Florence Pugh's character. Uh, but I, I, I feel like they probably kind of want to start feeling that, like this connection and, you know, this affection for her. Did I say that affection? Affection for her. And, you know, with, with the Thunderbolts movie coming out, you know, so they want to obviously try to push this character to Ken. You know, why not? You know, get some popularity and, you know, character is popular, you make more money type of thing. But with this story, I just, I don't know. I mean, it was just, it didn't, it wasn't, didn't fully grab my attention but we'll see. And because as I'm reading this, then I'm like, is this is this a one shot? Is this a, it is going to continue? I think. So I don't know. And then there's X Men 28. This is uh, this is like one of the X Men, the few X Men books that I that I really I'm am enjoying. But it's a uh, you know Juggernaut's being held captive. It's more just Orcus crap. You know they they have Juggernaut captured. They have Cyclops captured and. You know, we have Firestar who's posing as a double agent, you know, working, you know, like she worked against the mutants. And, you know, we, we see so many other characters and, and that. So it's <clears throat> it's moving things along. So there, there's some some cool things here. But what's interesting, I will say here, so with Shadowcat, you know, she's kind of gone deadly. Uh, you know, she's you know, she's back as Shadowcat, uh, you know, Kitty Kate Pride. And Wolverine, they, he's like, oh, you know, why are you just like Ogun? He's like, I, I kind of don't like that. And she's like, yeah, well, I don't remember asking your, you know, type of thing. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see where that's going to go. 
Um, at DC, there's very, very little at DC, which is really weird. Uh, I guess because it is kind of, a, I guess it was, if these came out on the 31st, so it would have been the fifth week for DC. Uh, there's Batman, Catwoman, um, Gotham War. This was like the conclusion thing. And yeah, uh, it's, so this is what I'm thinking. Maybe, you know, don't, don't quote me on this. I, I'm not making any promises, but I, I kind of feel like I need to talk about this and, and, and be able to like spoil things. Cause as I talk about each issue as they come out, you know, I, I don't really want to spoil things because I want people to read the books individually. But I think if I talk about it on a secret podcast, because you know, that's a smaller audience that I am okay with spoiling things more there, but I definitely have some thoughts, some questions and, um, just yeah so i might do that i just don't know if there's enough there to talk about but I, it's like i don't want to sit here and have like a 30 minute comic book talk on one particular thing in the middle of already too long podcast so things end um it's it was like they kind of end but I, everything's not fully resolved so it's just i, I haven't been I, I i've been confused so it's like what what the heck is going on here then we have a Supergirl special. I love Supergirl. I feel she's so underused. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, great. We got a Supergirl comic. Awesome. I'm, I'm kind of digging her, her new costume. It's, it's interesting. You know, I, I'm, I'm a fan of the, the skirt look just because it's classic. I don't think it's necessarily necessary. Uh, you know, I don't think it's essential that she has a skirt, but I, I like the skirt, but I, I like this, this outfit. Um, the jacket, you know, is this a little eighties, you know, X-Men, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm digging that. What's weird and kind of annoying here. What's very annoying. There's some stuff. It's like, they're, they're trying to pit Supergirl and power girl up against each other. There's a stupid, stupid news report going on talking about like stuff in, in Metropolis and they're going on like, oh, look at these two blonde superheroes. Do we really need two, two of these? But it's like, okay, you got two super-powered women. They happen to be blonde. And you're saying, it's like, oh, do we really need? But then how many dark-haired, you know, you got Superman. You got Connor. You got Jonathan. You got who else in there? You know, you got the, the little twins and, uh, that aren't even from the planet. So it's just, it's ridiculous that we have, we have two Superboys. Oh no, now we have two Supermans. Oh, and we got the Superman from China is still hanging around here. Um, is, okay. Is there nothing, no problems in China that you're just hanging out here? So we have like just all this stuff. And it's, it's just so stupid. It was like, why do they have to be at odds with each other? It's just, uh, it's just so unnecessary. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of like Supergirl kind of like doubting herself. And, you know, she's looking back because, you know, she has memories of Krypton and, you know, she's wondering, is she a failure? Is she living up to her potential and all this like that? So there's a lot of that, which is like, come on, just give us some cool Supergirl stories. And so, but it, it, was, it was, I'm glad we had the issue, but mm, yeah, I wish it was a little more. Detective Comics 1076, I didn't even... I didn't check this out. Um, hopefully, I'll, I'll start reading that again soon. Um, there's a Return of Superman 30th anniversary. I started reading this, but it's it's a long book. You know, it's 9.99. You know, you, you get your money's worth. And there's like you know Dan Jurgens, Louis Simonson, John Bodeganov. That's not how you say it. You know, so you got a lot of classic stuff. But at first, I, when I saw this, I'm like, wait, when is this taking place? Is this just like a retro looking back 
But then, you know, it talks about because it, it starts off with like, like, oh, you know, Lois was the right choice to replace Perry and, you know, blah, 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 stuff like that. And then we have Cyborg Superman there and Superman's gone for some reason. And but I was like, I, this is too long. I, I can't read all this. So I again, I should. We'll see if that happens. Spirit World number six. Who's reading Spirit World? Raise your hand. And who's reading Spirit World? Let me know if it's cool or not. So I see, based off a of cover, that Batgirl, Cassandra Kane, and Constantine are still there, which is cool. So um, I just, I like the book, but I just, I think it was like the second or third issue I, I missed. I just didn't read, and I just fell behind. And I'm like, I don't have time to read all these books. And it wasn't like blowing my socks off right away. You know, I'm, I was definitely curious, but yeah. And um, that was, that's pretty much it. Cause then there's just like some other uh, stuff that came out. There was an Aquaman. I think it's like a prelude to the movie. I don't know. I didn't know, I, I didn't look at that, but that is going to be it. So uh, maybe a little shorter there. That's going to be comics for the week. All right. Doom Patrol season four, episode eight, fame patrol. So I, I, again, I think, just gonna do one episode this week because this is like what I can handle right now. And by handle, I mean by time. Not, I mean, I, I do really like this show. And part of me also, knowing that this is these are the, like the final few episodes, it's like I don't want to just like guzzle them down. So I, I, there's just something about this show. It, it's just I think, and I, I'm, I'm sure I've said this before. It's just that it's it's kind of just weird and bizarre that it, it's not like your typical, you know, and I don't really want to use like the CW as an example, but I am, uh, you know, because the CW shows, they were all not not necessarily, you know, cookie cutter, but they're all like good, you know, noble heroes, you know, even though <laughs> Green Arrow started off, you know, killing people, but I, there's just something just really different about the Doom Patrol and the fact that, you know, and not so much that they curse all the time or whatever, but they're they're not your traditional uh, you know, by the book, it's, you know, he, noble heroes, I guess. I don't know. So with Fame Patrol, oh, so here's the thing. The, the girl that walked out of the, the cage that was like maybe a mortis or whatever, and I'm like, who's this girl? That, you know, she's like, hi, and then she does a big scream. It turns out, I didn't realize this uh, until I saw a recap for, for this episode. She was that girl actress who played Rita in that town production of like the, the mission from like the first episode or whatever. And she ended up falling in like the hole when Madame Rouge arrived in like the big time machine thing. When she came out uh, of the Mortis thing, Rita, you know, she was drunk. She's like, she said, and I, I this was in, in the, the scene. I don't remember this in the episode, but she's like, isn't that fudging feathers? And I had no idea. I just thought it was just drunk rambling because they're, you know, her and Rouge were, were drunk. <laughs> but that was her name, Isabel Feathers. So it, this episode starts off, it's kind of like a slow, sort of sad, not necessarily like a love song or something like that. But so I guess the, the shriek just like demolished everything because it, it's like a wasteland. There's just like dust and clouds and they're like in kind of like in a big crater. Everyone like slowly gets out and it, it looks like is Torminox and Dr. Janice dead? Because Vectra is sitting there, you know, her legs are out and like their heads are on you know, on her, their heads are on her legs. You know, they're just all kind of like, it's just like, it's kind of sad and, and everything like that. So then, uh, Isabel slash him orders, whoever's like walking down the road, there's a stone marker that says Cloverton four miles. So somehow they got out of 
work with and they're like back in the real world, I guess. So the, the rest of the people, Rita, uh, Madame Rouge, Cliff, Jane, Larry, Casey, you know, and Dorothy, they're like all like walking, you know, behind. Rita's like, are we sure that we're sober enough to lead the way? And Rouge says that she's like, I think so. Uh, she's like, a, a pile of dead corpses in a giant crater is fairly sobering. So she thinks that there's, uh, you know, something very familiar about Immortus, and she just can't place it. And Rita's like, that's because that's not Immortus. It's Isabel fudging feathers. And Cliff's asks, like, is it Immortus or isn't it? And Jane's like, what the fudge do you care? And he whispers, like, Immortus. Then he kind of like a whisper shot, like, Immortus. And then, <coughs> Immortus. And Jane's like, will you shut up? And she's like, nobody thinks it's funny. It's your fault why we're in this fudging mess. He's like, come on. It's not all my fault, right? It's a little bit Larry's fault, too. And, you know, he kind of stopped walking. Then Dorothy and Casey, you know, they come up in the rear. He's like, Dorothy? He's like, where'd you come from? He's like, and who's a chick in a jumpsuit? Dorothy's like, not now, please. And she turns to Casey. She's like, are you okay? And Casey's like, my father is dead. Some part of me always knew his story would end like this. But that other man, Wally Sage, he was my creator and and the only you know one who could explain why I'm here to lose them both. And Dorothy's like, I don't know why you're here, Casey, but I'm glad you are. We'll figure this out together, I promise. And you know, Derek and Vic are walking together, and you know, Derek asks Vic if he should be worried about this, and Vic's like, honestly, he's like, I don't know. He says he, he can't say that he saw this one coming. And then Derek, pull, Derek pulls out his phone and says that he's like, I got to get out of here. And Vic's like, are you calling an Uber? And Vic, Derek's like, bro, we just blew up a pocket dimension in the middle of Ohio. I got to go ch and check on my wife and kids. And he's like, I, he's like, you go be a dad. And he like laughs. He's like, I'll handle this. So Derek looks at Vic for a moment. He's like, you really do love it, don't you? And Vic's like, how's that? Derek's like, you know, this. He's like, man, you look like your old self back there. Those freaky-ass scissormen couldn't wipe the grin off your face. Vic's like, hey, by this, you're, you're talking about me being cyborg? He's like, no, no, not. He's like, you were right about that. You can't go back to being cyborg, at least not the old cyborg. And his phone chimes for right. So he's, you know, it says right. Then they, they hug. And he's like, get home safe. So Vic runs up to the front by Rouge and Rita. He's like, what's the verdict? He's like, should... Uh, one of us go and check on her, ask if she's doing all right. And Rouge's like, ask if she's doing all right? She just exploded and killed half a dozen people. Rita's like, she needs to be destroyed. And Rouge says that that's big talk for someone who couldn't even handle killing you know, fake Wally Sage. So maybe there's something between, you know, hospitality and homicide. And Vic's like, homicide? And Jane's, Jane's like, I don't want to murder some random girl. And Cliff's like, or be murdered by some random girl. Larry asks, he's like, what if they're following the wrong girl? He's like, are we sure that's Immortus? And Cliff calls out, like in a high-pitched voice, Immortus! Then again, Immortus! And then in an accent, and Rita's like, oh, for fudge's sake, Isabel, Isabel Feathers. And she turns around, yeah? And she's like, prepare yourself, Isabel Feathers. And then a, a pickup pulls up, and the driver's like, did y'all just say Isabel Feathers? And he looks over, you found Isabel Feathers? So then there's like an intro to this a TV show, World of What, and the, the, the host, I think his name is Jonathan, he says long hair and glasses. He's like, after several months, the body of Isabel Feathers has been found, and that body is alive. So she's sitting on a couch next to his like chair, you know, and he's like, so Isabel, we're dying to know, where have you been all this time? 
It's like, where have I been? I guess you could say I was lost in the fabric of reality somewhere outside of space and time. Outside of space and time, I see. And the Doom Patrol are watching like the little TV in their kitchen. And he's like, and what was that like for you? She's like, there are no words. And then low and distorted, her, her voice changes. To actually describe my experience, I witnessed a rise and fall of civilizations. I stared into the heat death of the universe and heard the answers to the final question. My body was everywhere, nowhere, all at once. And my screams echoed back to me through the eons. The only escape was death. And death was revealed to be nothing but an illusion. So um, they're all looking like older. Like Rita actually has like gray hair. You know, she had it before. And Cliff's like, is this what we do now? that were old and decrepit. We watch supervillains on television. And Jane's like, this girl really looks like she's about to explode again. And Rita says that they should have just taken her out when they had a chance. Then Isabel says back in her normal voice, I'm sorry. <laughs> she's like, I don't know why I said that. And then it's weird. Cause then like the background rewind, but she's like in, in the foreground, like she's doesn't rewind. She's just like sitting there and everything else rewinds. And then the host repeats what he said earlier. So, Isabel, we're dying to know. Where have you been all this time? And Rouge is like, okay, what the fudge was that? And Isabel's like, oh, my gosh, Jonathan. I honestly can't explain the where's and how's of what happened to me. It was just, like, so deep, you know. What I can say is I really used my time to work on myself, my brand, you know. I stopped asking, where is Isabel Feathers? And started asking, who is Isabel Feathers? And Cliff says again, is this what we do now that we're old and decrepit? Watch supervillains on television? Rouge gives Cliff like a double take. So like no one is aware what just happened. But Rouge, she like, she sensed it. You know, she, she knows that something happened. Something's up. So Jane's like, maybe that explosion was a one-time deal. I mean, this theater geek doesn't seem like the vengeful time god type. And Rouge is like, uh-huh. Did no one else see that? And Rita's like, I saw enough. Isabel Immortus is a threat and needs to be removed. Rouge and Vic like, give her a look. And she's like, oh, please. We all know what Immortus is capable of. Also, she's not just Immortus. She's my former arch enemy. And Jane's like, thespian arch enemy. And Rita's like, Isabel Feathers is no thespian, Jane. She's a two-faced, dinner theater caliber, pretty-faced witch who might just be a world killer. We need to destroy her. And Rouge is like, Rita's right. She says that, you know, she's got this like strange sense of deja vu when she was watching that interview. She's like, one minute she was kind of dangerous and kind of weird. And then the next minute she was just this normal, ordinary girl. Larry says that, you know, maybe she's dangerous and normal like them. You know, they should just leave her alone. So Cliff walks out of the room, goes to the fridge, and he gasps like, no, 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 no. Fudge, 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 fudge. The others, you know, because he's just in the other room, they kind of look over at him. Jane goes up to him. She's like, Cliff? He's like, what? Um, he's like, I was just checking to see if anyone wanted to have ice cream. And they're like, why would anyone want ice cream right now? And they start mumbling, like, different stuff. It's like, oh, what about soft serve? And then he realizes, like, all right. He's like, fudge off. You guys, you guys could just keep giving me poop for this. I didn't lose our longevity. We all lost our longevity together. Jane's like, oh, don't even fudging start with me. And Rita's like, this is 100% your fault. And Vic says that this is not a good look. And Rouge says that she agrees. And Rita says, this is why they need to act. They need to figure out exactly what is going on with Isabel Immortus. And it's their best chance of getting out of this mess that Cliff has gotten them into. He's like, you're kidding me. And then the TV guy asks Isabel, she's excited about the big rescue celebration going on this afternoon. 
And do you expect that some of the heroes that saved you will make an appearance at the parade? And she's like, uh, I'm sure they'll be there. They're just as happy I'm back as, as everyone else is, right? And Rita gets up and turns off the TV. She's like, that's it. Like, that's the cover that we need to go into the town and figure out what's really going on here. You know, we've practically been invited. Then Jane yells, she's like, I'm right here, stop shouting. And they like look at her and she's like, sorry, I, I heard something. So she's going something, something probably because, you know, she lost her longevity. And then Vic's concerned. He's like, are you okay? And she's like, I don't know, Dr. Stone. You try aging 15 years in the afternoon. Cliff says that he's with Jane, that they're literally getting too old for this. And Larry tells Rita, face it, it's over. They lost. Immortus is just a bunch of comic book BS. You know, it doesn't really matter to him whether Isabel's an ordinary girl or an ordinary um, despotic time monster. He has to figure out what to do with um, the little time that he has left. And Rita says that, you know, perhaps he's right. They're all getting older, even though she is the one who's aged more than anyone else. And she is still ready to kick some ass. She's like, let's get to work. So Dorothy's giving Casey a tour, shows her her father's spaceship like under a tarp. And after a slight pause, Casey's like, oh, whoa, uh, holy smokes, kid, a spaceship? Because, you know, she's been all over spaceships and that. And she's like, uh, it looks uh, super aerodynamic. And then this like metal pipe falls off and clangs on the floor. And then she's like, so uh, what kind of engine are you working with here, huh? Uh, Deutonium firewater, combustible neutron droplets, uh, purple crystals. And Dorothy's like, it runs on apples. You feed them to a mountain, go over to dashboard. And she's like, huh. And Dorothy's like, how are you feeling, Casey? And she's like, okie dokie. I don't know, key. She says that, you know, all the real life feelings she's experienced for the first time, you know, this is really the worst. Dorothy says, no one likes to feel pain. Sometimes it stays with you forever. But grief is like a gift. You know, just the smell and the taste, all of these things let you know that you're alive, that you're real. Casey says that she wishes she could just turn the page. And Dorothy says that that's why she brought her here. She's like, I want you to have my father's ship. You can go anywhere you want. And Casey's like, I don't know. I've never been driven by goat apple power before. So, and she's like, size. It's like, I think I need a new mission. And Dorothy's like, here on Earth? And Casey shrugs. It's like, well, I guess I have a mission in my own right now. These people here, they're family to me. They're the only family I have left. And they're dying. I have to help them. And Casey's like, well, it sounds pretty important. Maybe this time I'll be your sidekick. That is, if you'll have me aboard. Then Larry's in his room, talks to Keeg. He's like, sorry, pal. Things didn't go the way we hoped. I swear, I'll give you all I can until my very last breath. And then Rama, the what's his name, the, Mr. One Four One, what was his name? He his voice says something about it. it's like, oh, that that's you know sad, toxic, slightly less depressing than that robot in the garage, but only slightly. And Larry sits up. He's like, Rama, is that you? And there's like this purple flowery shimmer like off to the side of his room. He's like, I I thought you disappeared. And Rama's voice is like, not so much as disappeared, more of uh, disassembled. I think your little glowing friend got a little carried away and, well, obliterated me. Larry's like, oh, you know, sorry. I was like, I had no idea. And Rama says that, he's like, oh, think nothing of it. It's just, uh, I need your help. Cliff's like walking around. He's looking for the defrosted zombie, but he's like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Uh, buttpocalypse too? Or, or maybe Immortus destroys the world before zombie butts destroy the world. And it'll be my little secret. He also starts laughing, but then kind of has like a coughing and worrying fit because like his Parkinson's and he starts cursing. Dorothy walks in and she's like, are you okay? And he's like, oh, I'm fine. And he's like, totally not wrecking with my mortality in multiple very real scenarios. And she's like, looks at him and she's like, follow me. 
and he's like, oh, actually, I'm a little busy, but then he ends up going with her. Then we see Jane walking out of this, like, dark tunnel, and she seems kind of scared, and you hear, like, Rouge call out to her, Jane, where are you? Jane, where have you gone? And she's walking on tracks, so it's like, is she going to the underground? And she's, and she's like, where am I? She's like, why can't I find my way back to my station? Then she yells out to Rouge, she's like, I can't find you. And Rita's voice is like, is she coming back? And Jane's like, I'm lost. And she's like, I'm lost in my own fudging head. Will somebody help me, please? Because so, she's getting older, so she's probably, like, getting Alzheimer's or dementia or something. And then Casey's like there, and she's like, I can help you. So then Jane somehow shifts back to reality, and she's like in a regular hall, and Casey's standing by her, by her. And Jane's like, why the fudge were you in my head? And Casey's like, uh, I'm not sure what you mean by that. And Jane's like, whatever, I'm out of here. So Rita, Vic, and Rouge are in town. They're like in, kind of like a staging area, like this big warehouse or whatever for the parade. You know, there's like all this like floats and stuff getting set up. Vic's like, oh, what now? And Rita says that, as she's been saying, find it mortis, do whatever needs to be done. If Isabel puts one little pedicure toe out of line, she's as good as dead. And Vic's like, when you become dark and vengeful? And Rouge is like, apparently it's been a thing for quite some time now. Rita's like, she's like, well, I'm sick of good and bad guys, good guys and bad guys. The agents of Immortus were good guys, and look where it got them. They'll never get their longevity back if we ask nicely. And Vic's like, get your longevity? He's like, wait, is that what this whole thing is really about? Then Rita sees Isabel. There she is. So there's a crowd of like young girls and you know some people around her, mostly girls. I think there's a guy there too, whatever. And you know she's like, oh, you saw me in a show, whatever. And, they, and you know she's like signing autographs and that. And then um, Claire Delaire, the Cloverton mayor, comes up to um, Doom Patrol, and she's like, would you happen to be the Doom Patrol? Did I say that right? Rita corrects her. And the mayor, mayor gasps in relief. And she calls, everyone, come gather around. Isabel's still signing. She's like, wait, I was halfway through the opening of my autobiography. And then her voice gets low and angry and distorted. Feathers in the wind. And then the sky gets like dark. Clouds start rolling. Thunder is rumbling. Then Isabel gasps, like breathes. And then time rewinds. And she's back to signing, you know, something, whatever. The mayor comes up again. Are you doing patrol? And before Rita can correct the mayor, Isabel comes up. She's like, everyone, it's a doom patrol. And she like chuckles. My heroes, I'm so glad you're here. And the mayor's like, this is the greatest rescue celebration day we've ever had. So Rama's still talking to Larry through the shimmer. And he says that there's, you know, surely must be some solution. You know, there always is. And Larry's like, well, I don't know if there is a solution. He's like, I made a mess of everything while you were gone. He's like, bottom line, Immortus was a lie. Everything you told me, everything you believed, all of it was a lie. He's like, now my longevity is gone and I'm rapidly aging to my death. You know, as well as I do, the dangers of aging to a radioactive being. If I destabilize, my body breaks down, I'll become a geriatric dirty bomb. And Keeg like makes his arm kind of touch the, the Rama shimmer. And he's like, Keeg, what, what the hell are you doing? He's, he's like, we're not alone in here. He's like, the radiation is deadly. And Rama's like, wait, Keeg is onto something. I'm in this mess because my electrons have been dispersed. A healthy dose of radiation might allow me to siphon the particles I need to re rehabilitate myself. And then Larry's bandages like on his hands fall. Then his hand is grabbed from something inside the shimmer. He's like, come on, stay with me. And Rama's like, don't let go. And he's, Larry's like, I got you. He's like, we've got you. And Rama's pulled out and then like into like an embrace. And then like the shimmer's gone. So Rama's somehow back. It put him back together. Cliff is walking with Dorothy. And he's like, hey, have you seen anything weird around lately? Like weird than normal, like small and possibly dangerous? And she's like, no. He's like, cool, cool. Me neither. So what's the deal, kid? 
she says, she's like, I've been thinking about how you're having trouble getting around. And now that you're getting older, I thought, and she kind of does a little spin, Papa's old chair, I want you to have it. He's like, why? And she's like, why? To use it. He's like, fudge, no, sorry. I meant, fudge, no, I would literally rather die. And she's like, what do you mean? This chair will make your life so much better. She's like, you think that'll make my life better? Did you get the impression that Niles was thrilled with his life? She's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to upset you. He's like, I see what you're trying to do. Everyone hated Niles, and now everyone hates me. So what, I'm supposed to be the new Miles, wheel around and fudge up everyone's lives? No fudging, thank you. She, and Dorothy's like, I know you and Papa didn't get along. And Cliff's like, I hated him in life, and I still hate him in death. Even when his ghost asked for my help, I told him to haunt the fudge right off. You spoke to Papa's ghost? And Cliff's like, er, uh, yeah, er, I didn't tell you because, well, maybe you haven't noticed, kid. But I'm an a-hole, so stop trying to pity me. Leave me to fudge alone. He walks out, and she sighs, and there's like a tear in her eye. Jane goes to her room, and she finds Casey near. She's like, what the fudge are you doing in my room? And Casey's like, oh, is this your room? That, that is so uh, unexpected. I was just trying to help. So she's, I think she's like organizing things, because Jane like takes some books out of her hands. And she's like, oh, I, I love your paintings, by the way. And Jane's like, who are you again? Casey puts her hands on her hips. I'm Space Case, but my secret identity is Casey Brink. It's like, I guess it's not really a secret. And Jane kind of like groans, and she's like, I don't give a poop. Casey's like, you seem like you could use a hand earlier, so I took the liberty of organizing this amazing puzzle. And Jane's like, who gives a poop about a fudging puzzle? And Casey's like, listen, I used to be a fictional character, so I'm not always right about these things, but I got the sense that this puzzle has some sort of emotional significance. So I figured, and Jane turns around, she's just sitting on the bed, she's like, are you still talking? You can't just come into my room and expect to fix my life. My life is fudged up behind, beyond your understanding. And Casey's like, you're hurting, I can tell, but uh, these feelings, they let you know that you're alive, that you're real. And Jane kind of starts laughing, Casey starts laughing, and Jane's like, I don't know where you heard that fortune cookie garbage, but they need to get their facts straight. I'm not real. I'm just a construct. I'm not real. This puzzle isn't real. And guess what? You're not real either. You said it yourself. You're fictional. You're not real. You're not a superhero. You're just a nosy girl who organizes other people's poop into random piles. Casey's like, uh, I guess I still have to a lot to figure out. Uh, I'll leave you alone. And she starts walking out, turns out the door, and she's like, they aren't random piles, by the way. They're organized by color. And there's like three big piles of puzzle pieces on the floor. So that was like that puzzle she got with the, I forgot who, who, whatever, that person from the candy store, right? So then on the World of What show, Isabel's back. Um, Rita's sitting next to her. They're both on, on, the, on the sofa. Isabel laughs when she's introduced. She's like so annoying. Um, uh, Rita's introduced as Gertrude Camp. So Jonathan, the host, he's like, now Miss Cramp, or Gertrude Cramp. He's like, now, Miss Cramp, I was told you were actually the understudy of Isabel Feathers in a critically acclaimed production of Our Town. And Rita's like, well, that's not even the juiciest part of the story. World of what would you say? <laughs> World of what would you say? What would you say if I told you that Isabel was playing a role in Our Town based on me? And Isabel like, cuts in right away. It truly was an incredible performance by me. It takes a lot of talent to portray such a tragic character. I'm sure you remember the day she blobbed out and nearly destroyed the entire town. And Rita's like, I think it's important to remember that at the time, I was trying very hard not to destroy the town. 
And Isabel like giggles. She's like, I mean, sure, that's what made playing your character so complicated, but easy for me. And she like chuckles. The host is like, and I assume you have a background in acting as well, Miss Cramp. Rita's like, I dabble. Many have said, and so Rogan and Vic are like offside, off camera watching. And he, a rogue, rogue tells Vic, she's like, I'm telling you, something is wrong. The host is like, Gertrude, you are simply amazing. And Isabel's like almost frowning. Then in a low, distorted voice, consider this a warning. Tell your friend, because she's like looking kind of at Rouge, it seems like. Tell your friend to back the fudge out of my moment, or there will be nothing left of her but a pile of acrylic nails and a smell of vodka. And then, tape rewinds. Rita's back saying, well, that's not even the juiciest part of the story. And Rouge tells Vic, he's like, tell me you felt something there. He's like, what? No. So then the host is like, now let's meet the rest of your team. Lord DeMille, Victor Stone, welcome to World of What? So they, they come to try to sit on, on the couch. And he's like, so, Victor, you're not cyborg anymore. What's that like? And they're all, like, crammed on the sofa. So Isabel could clearly move, you know, over to her left, but she refuses to budge. So they're all, <laughs> it's, it's almost comical. Uh, Cliff is downstairs. He's, like, struggling to get his moves, his legs to move. He's, like, trying to go up these stairs. Dorothy comes zipping along in the wheelchair behind him. And then he, you know, he hears her, but he doesn't turn. He's like, just so you know, I'd be having trouble with these steps, whether I was in a chair or not. And Dorothy's like, Cliff, I'm sorry if I upset you, but you're going to have to take care of yourself if you want to be there for your family. He's like, be there for my family? How exactly is an invalid robot supposed to be there for his family? And Dorothy's like, you have to let people take care of you. It's not your condition that's a burden. It's your obstinance. Why do you have to make it so hard? He's like, because I can take care of myself. And Dorothy's like, if you can take care of yourself, then walk up the damn steps. I don't want to. Maybe I like it here at the bottom. And Dorothy's like, okay, then walk with me to the elevator. She's like, no. And she's like, why won't you let me help you? Because I don't deserve it. Trust me, kid. I don't deserve love. I don't even deserve pity. I've been trying so hard to leave something behind that's worth a damn, but I just keep fudging things up more. He's like, it'll be better for everyone. I'm dead and gone. And then Dorothy, like angrily, but quietly, she's like, don't say that, Cliff. And she like hits his chest with clunk with like a thud. Don't ever say that. Your death won't hurt you nearly as much as it will hurt the people who have to live with it. Do you have any idea of all the things I wish I could have said, all the moments I wish we could have shared, and now that you're closer than you've ever been to the end, you just want to waste time? <sighs> people love you, Cliff, and people want to help you. Don't let them down. When the others get back from the parade, we'll discuss what's best. And he's like, the parade, that's right, the parade, the parade for heroes, heroes like us. You're right. There are people who love me, but I need to remind them why. So Casey's sitting in, a, in like a hall, like in some little alcove thing, and Jane walks up. And Casey's like, is this uh, your usual thinking spot? Because I can go somewhere else. Jane just walks up, just sits next to her and sighs. And Casey's like, you know, a few days ago, I didn't exist. Yesterday, everything I cared about ceased to exist. I should just be grateful for the heat of the sun and the wind in my ears and that weird smell of my socks when I take off my boot, but I'm not. I just feel empty. And Jane's like, empty is a good word for it. And then Casey's like, I thought I needed a mission, something to give me purpose. And Jane's like, purpose? Purpose is overrated. And Casey's like, maybe it's okay not to know what your next mission is. Maybe that leads to a new kind of adventure. And then Jane pauses. I heard about this dumb parade in town. If you'd want to go check it out with me for a bit. And Casey's like, you know, 
I was just thinking that this planet has a perfect amount of gravity for a parade. Larry and Rama are lying on the floor, kind of like in each other's arm. I don't know if they just like passed out, whatever. You know, it's probably strenuous, tired, I don't know. They both start to wake up. Rama's like, tell me, why did you do it? We had a plan. We almost escaped Orkwood together. Why go back to Immortus? And Larry's like, you weren't there. You can't understand. I had to make a choice. I did what I felt I had to do. And Rama's like, I don't get it. You never struck me as the impulsive type. And then Larry's chest kind of glows for a beat. Ah, he's like, I think I understand now. And Larry's like, you couldn't possibly. And Rama takes his scarred hand. He's like, listen, I don't know what part of you needs to hear this, but you have to know there is no shame in believing in miracles. I spent my life, you know, believing in, um, in them or something like that. He's like, I don't plan on stopping now. And Larry's like, belief in miracles got Wally and the others killed. I can't wait around for miracles. I have to live in the real world. And Ram's like, you promised we'd find another way. And Larry's like, well, you might want to check the shelf life on that promise. I need to find a new home for Keeg. We're dying, remember? I can't take care of him. You can't take care of him. Rama starts laughing. Have you already penciled me in as a foster option for the little one? And Larry's like, no, I, di I didn't mean it like that. I, I just want him to be safe, that's all. And Rama's like, I'm going to hold you to that promise a little bit longer. Then there's like a banging on the door. Cliff's like, Larry, get on your bandages. He's like, we're going to that stupid fudging parade and I need help walking. And Larry's like, uh, yeah. He's like, I, I'm a little busy right now, Cliff. And he apologized, Rama. And Rama's like, you have, you only have so much time left on this earth. You and your friends want you to go to a parade. Why wouldn't you go? Larry's like, yeah, I'm not really a parade type of guy. I'm more uh, stay at home and stare at the windows type of guy. And then Rama looks at him and he tucks his chest like, Keeg, would you like to go to a parade? There's like electrostatic buzzing in Larry's chest. Well, that settles that. So he says that, you know, he'll, he'll rest on this rectangular thing he calls a mattress and he'll regather his strength. And then, you know, Larry will go to the parade and Larry's like, thanks. In the parade staging warehouse area, Rita's like giggling and Vic sits next to her and asks if everything's all right. She's like, never better. And he's like, what about Isabel? She's like, oh, we'll worry about her later for now. I just want to enjoy the moment. He's like, well, that's quite a U-turn. He's like, what happened to Dark and Vengeful? And she's like, you never told me being a superhero was so much fun, not just for the fame, but for the feeling of doing something good in the world and being recognized for it, but also the fame. They both laugh. She's like, it's nice to finally be recognized and experience the fame. And he's like, you're not wrong. He's like, man, I'd be lying if I said I didn't miss it a bit. She's like, come off it, Victor. You and I both know you're destined for something bigger than this. You're not going to spend the rest of your life taking care of aging heroes. You're a cyborg. He's like, I'm not. She's like, one day you're going to realize that our little Doom Patrol just isn't enough for you anymore. And then, and then it cuts to Isabel. She's humming at a gazebo. Rouge, you know, she's got her back turned. She's like looking in her compact, fixing her makeup. Rouge comes up and she's like, hey, remember me? And she's like, how could I forget? And Rouge's like, right. I just had a few questions for my peace of mind, just to clear the air. And she kind of like looks at her through the mirror. She's like, go on. Well, it was my fault that you fell into that time hole. It's my fault that all of this happened to you, but I just want to check that you're okay. You were dealt a bad hand, as was I. Isabel just keeps like checking her makeup and compact, her back still turned. And Rouge's like, that doesn't make us evil, right? She finally turns. I don't know who you think you are, but you don't know anything about me. I have everything I've ever wanted. I'm not evil. I'm famous. 
And Rouge is like, unfortunately, I don't believe you, Immortus. And then she closes the compact again and she turns back. What did you call me? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Immortus? I meant Isabel. And in distorted and rumbling, you dare utter my true name? You dare meddle my unending legacy with your mortal clumsiness? I have seen your pathetic demise, Lord DeMille, as I have seen all things, but I will gladly rewrite your history so that you die today. And then she rewinds. Rouge walks up to the gazebo. Hey, remember me? And Isabel's like, sorry, uh, I'm too busy for selfies right now. It's like, I have to go receive the key to the city. Wish me luck. Blows a kiss. And Rouge is kind of like confused or like surprised because, you know, she, I don't know how much she remembers, but, you know, she's definitely has that like deja vu feeling. So the parade starts. Doom Patrol has their own float. There's like a donkey with like a cloud of gas coming out of its butt from the farts or whatever. And Larry's like, do we, do we wave? What? And Cliff's like, I had no idea we had actual fans. And Larry's like, turns out a very small, very select group of people care about us. And which is, I guess, what talking about the show. Jane's points to something. She's like, WTF is that supposed to be? There's like this big floating brown balloon blob with blue eyes. And people start chanting, blah, blah, blah. Rita's like, that's me. Isabel's like practicing. She's like, thank you so much. You know, she's like fake humility and whatever. Then the mayor walks up to her. It's like, isn't this amazing that they're here? Real superheroes in Cloverton. And Isabel's like, superheroes? And she chuckles. She's like, you mean the freaks out there on a donkey? On the float, Larry's like, hey, since we're superheroes again, I might need everyone's help. I'm dying. And Mr. 104 is destabilizing. I think it's 104. It's like, if we don't figure out a solution, we're probably going to blow up the entire planet. And Rita's like, well, I'm sure that's something the Doom Patrol can help with. Right, Jane? And Jane's like, I don't know. She's like, I might need help too. I can't find my way back into the underground. I need to get there, you know, back there before I, I forget everything. Rita's like, that's uh, complex. And Cliff is like, if we're all listing problems, remember that zombie butt, the one I was supposed to kill? Uh, I didn't kill it yet, but I did lose it. And Jane, like, like double, you know, pounds Cliff's chest. Idiot. Isabel's standing next to, they're right closer to the parade now. So the mayor's still next to her. And she's, she's like, I don't understand. This is a rescue celebration. I'm the one who got rescued. This parade is supposed to be all about me. And the mayor's like, of course it's about you. You are missing, and now you're found. But the Doom Patrol, ah, the Doom Patrol, they found you. I mean, they're heroes, and you're the reason why they are heroes, which is why you were chosen to present them with the key to the city. And Isabel's like, uh, I'm sorry, did you just say, nervous chuckle, I, I thought you were giving me the key to the city. And the mayor's like, sure, we're giving you the key to the city so you can give them the key to the city. And Isabel's eyes like starts twitching. And the mayor's like, does that make sense? Rouge runs up to the, the parade float. She's like, Rita, Rita. And she's like right in front. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> it's like, they're not even that high. And she's like yelling. It's like, we've got to get out of here. And Rita's like, what? And Rouge's like, there's something wrong with Isabel. We have to stop her. The mayor's continuing. She's like, after you hand them the key to the city, I'll make the big announcement. We're making today into a town holiday. From here on out, June 5th will be known as Doom Patrol Day. And Isabel's just like fuming, like the sounds like just being drawn out. You can barely hear the mirror, like like heartbeat, music swelling. And then she slowly turns, sees a float, uh, sees a key hanging on this fancy ribbon. Doom Patrol Day, Doom Patrol Day, Doom Patrol Day. And then the clouds start rolling in. Fudge this. 
another big scream like she did an orc with. So she like going to destroy the entire Culverton. So that's where this episode ends. <laughs> so that was a uh, 408. Yeah. So you can catch up with the next one. I, I forget how many are out now, but um, I'm just, I'm, it, I'm digging it. And this, this Isabel, she's so annoying and she's so good at, at the role, but I don't understand what Immortus is. Because uh, maybe because he's merged with her, so it's like part her and a part. I don't, I don't know what the, what Morris's deal is. All right, Rick and Morty, season seven, episode three, Air Force Wong. Uh, so this was an interesting episode because uh, we we kind of see Rick a little differently. You know, he he just recently decided to start taking therapy serious, and uh, you know seriously and. Um, it's so we're, we're kind of seeing him a little more vulnerable. We're seeing, yeah, you know, there, there's, there's bits of him still going after that guy, you know, the guy that killed his, his wife and, you know, just like the whole essence of like his hatred and anger or whatever. And, uh, just, and there's other stuff, which there's a surprise appearance by someone, which I wasn't expecting. I mean, I don't know if it was, it was known or anything like that, but you know, him dealing with, with another, you know, past relationship. So it was, it was kind of interesting to see that. And then, then there's stuff between him and the president, how they like hate each other, but it's like, do they really? So it starts off Rick's in therapy again, his phone buzzes and his therapist like, do you need to take that? He's like, no, it's just a president. And she's like, well, maybe you should turn it off. And he's like, president of the United States is not, you'd think that was cool. And she's like, you like it when people think you're cool? He's like, oh, you're extra analytical today. He's like looking to remodel your, your kitchen. And, oh, he did something where uh, he went behind the couch because he said he left a bag of Funyuns there. He, he saw a bag of Funyuns. He left. I forget what it was. But then there's a there's a, a knock on a door, and the, the president's voice is like, I know you're in there. So he's out in the waiting room with, like, two armed, like, SWAT guards or something like that and a Secret Service guy. And he, he says that, uh, you know, when he calls him directly, it's an emergency. And Rick's like, I was in therapy. It's like, don't stigmatize mental health. Then the president's like, oh, how rude of me. Then he introduces himself to the doc. He's like, hello, I'm President Andre Curtis. But on, on a chopper, he's told, in 1961, the CIA secretly relocated the Loch Ness Monster to Lake Erie and replaced her bones with titanium. And, and Rick's still eating his bag of Funyuns. Uh, so Nessie, Loch Ness Monster, was then bit by several werewolves giving us the ultimate anti-submarine weapon. He's like, got it. But the Soviets smuggled in a leprechaun who turned Nessie's bones to silver, giving her the wear version of AIDS. So she sank to the bottom, and we assumed she was dead. But she was only asleep. Now she's awake and hungry. And Rick's like, you can't date my shrink. And the president's like, what, bro? You're nuts. Then don't date my shrink. I'm not dating your shrink. She probably doesn't even like me. And Rick makes like a move towards the president. It's like Secret Service. Like, stand down. Tell him to stand down. Would you let him date your therapist? And the guy's like, I don't believe in therapy. What the hell does that even mean? You don't believe in it? The president's like, he's a Scientologist. And he's like, don't date, date my shrink. And to the Secret Service dude, he's like, and don't be a space Mormon. And the guy's like, why not? It's silly. And then he's like, sorry. It's a cheap shot. Worship how you want. I like Tom Cruise. And the guy's like, thank you. So then... It's, it must be later because Rick and Morty are, are watching this talk show called Mr. Stabby. 
and where he like I guess if someone asks a question for now, they like kind of get stabbed maybe, or they don't want to get stabbed, or I don't know. So he gets a call again from the president. Morty's like another presidential mission. He's like, you just killed a Loch Ness monster for him. And then, then the president, like on, you hear him on the line, he's like, tell that little bitch zip it. He's like, you can't talk to me like that. Tell him you can't talk to me like that. Rick's like, you can't talk to Morty like that. He's like, whatever. And more, Rick's like, I'll portal over. So at the White House like command center, he's like, Rick, thanks for coming in. We've got a situation in the state of Virginia. He's like, Bigfoot. He's like, that's Montana. Nazis. That's uh, everywhere. And he's like, the problem in Virginia is love. He's like, you've heard the state motto, Virginia's for lovers. Well, now they've codified it into law. Virginia has declared itself literally and exclusively for lovers. Sounds boring. It gets worse. There's no crime, no poverty, and suspiciously no complaints. The governor just hit 100% approval rating. And then there's someone else, I don't know if it's the vice president, or someone's like, oh, how's that bad? And the president's like, there is no 100% anything. He's like, check online or something. And he's like, normally, you know, we just incinerate it. He's like, but we can't do that to Virginia. He's like, we'll need to infiltrate it. Rick's like, I volunteer to do acid to prove I'm not a cop. And the president's like, no, no, no. He's like, no lone wolves. We need a crack team for this one. Rick, meet Flea Flack. So it's like some sort of like alien or something. And he's like, he might be able to tell the future. And Rick's like, might? He's like, we're waiting to find out. Then there's Onyx, Onyxir. Uh, he's a weapon specialist. So it's, it almost looks like a robot or something like that. He's like, and our eye in the sky is my chief of staff bot, Chi-Chi, which looks like a very slim, like, kind of refrigerator. And he's like, it's an excellent team, but there's something missing. Uh, psychology expert, perhaps. And Rick's like, oh, bleep me. You pretend to need a crack team so you can get Wong's number? He's like, get her number? I own the CAA. If I wanted, I could get her genome. He's like, so... You wanted what for me? Permission? Yeah, like, you got it. It's a free country. So you're always saying. He's like, that's certainly all I'd be willing to pay. And President's like, you're making me choose? You or her? There's eight billion women on this planet that have nothing to do with me. And President's like, can you blame them? You suck. And then Flea Flack screeches, wait, danger. And hands Rick a drawing of like a Bigfoot type monster attacking Rick. And there's like blood, whatever. He's like, wow, that's great, buddy. It's, it's going right up on a fridge. And he puts it on, on Chi-Chi, because Chi-Chi looks like a fridge. And he just, like, jumps through a portal. Then there's a, a presidential, like, convoy. Wong, Flea Flack, Onyx, Seer, whatever, are, like, in a... U I don't think Chi-Chi was there. I don't know. They're sort of in a, the SUV with the president. He thanks her for lending her expertise to the mission. And she says that she was surprised to get his call, but excited. And she says that you know, she hasn't done field work since grad school. And he's like, oh, we think the people of Virginia have become some kind of hippie sex cult. And she's like, I haven't done that since grad school either. He's like, ho, ho. He's like, Dr. Wong, you are a firecracker. So then they reach the Virginia border and there's like, you know, like a little draw bridge toll thing, whatever. The guard comes out, tells him to halt the halt. And then the governor is also there too. He's like, I'm sorry, Mr. President. Virginia is closed to visitors. And he's like, I thought it was for lovers. I'm a lover. And he's like, are you a lover? Are you a lover? And the governor's like, I appreciate that, but the rest of your country doesn't need Virginia's love right now. And the president's like, you know, the last time a state talked that way, we had to have a whole thing. And uh, Helen Wong, the therapist, she's like, and this time the other side has nukes. So the governor's like, it's like, let them in. So then the president thinks a doctor. She says, call me Helen. Then his phone buzzes. It's Rick. And, and president, so the president declines the call. So the governor's like, as you can see, Virginia has no crimes, no poverty. 
and, and then uh, he says something like, like, all goods are commonly made and they're shared. And the president's like, communist bastards. He's like, system. Then he asks the governor, he's like, well, what happened? He's like, tell me the secret. And gov governor's like, well, if I tell you, you'll tell everyone. But if I show you, you won't have to. And the president's like, how unsettling and cryptic. And then the, the governor's eyes start to like kind of go yellow. And he suddenly like goes attack the president. And there's like, it's like he kind of spit up or threw up on himself. Uh, the president manages to punch him. He hits him a few more times. But there's you know, this yellow goo on him. And then the town people grab like secret service guy, vomit like yellow goo into his mouth. Flea Flack gets vomited in his mouth too. And the president's like, like, you're all just drunk. And the main secret service guy's like, sir, it's some kind of body snatching hive mind. And the president's like, finally, your religion comes in handy. But then that dude gets tackled. He gets vomited on or into. And then it's just a president and therapist are, are left. A portal opens up. Rick steps out with this, like, big kind of rifle with, like, stuff attached to it. And it shoots out this, like, blue kind of gas or spray or whatever. And it appears that it's, it's curing them because their eyes go from yellow, like, back to normal. Then he yells at the president. He's like, pick up your phone, a-hole. When I call, it's an actual emergency. So then this dude walks up slowly. He's like, Rick? And it's like, wait. So I'm like, who is this guy? And Rick's like, Unity. So Unity. At first, I'm like, wait, who is this dude? Unity? I was like, no, 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 no. So Unity is Rick's hive mind ex-lover. And so she's like, easy, easy. But it's in, in, a, in, a, in a dude. And then it switches out to space. And she's like, I can explain. Just let me get things under control. It's like, you controlling things is exclamation. And we agreed you wouldn't do it where I work. She starts like spraying. And she's like, what the bleep are you spraying me with? He's like, a new scent. I picked up after you left. I call it separation. And she's like, you concocted a me repellent? He's like, does that look like it's a bad idea? The therapist is like, Rick, are you in a relationship with the population of Virginia? We dated. And he makes a portal. But then the president therapist, they get puked on. And then everyone says, like, I just want to talk. And Rick's like, I'm pretty sure you have trillions of cell phones. He gets ready to spray them, but then they, they split up. So he has to chase them. The president's, like, running down this alley. Portal opens up in front, and then the president gets sprayed. And Rick's like, thank God you had a crack team with you. And the president's like, where's Helen? And he's like, Helen? She initiated first name. So Rick makes a, a portal on the ground and pushes him through. He lands outside the Virginia gate by some more Secret Service guy. He's like, call in a chopper. I'm being bleep blocked. And bleep because they're bleeping stuff out. <laughs> Rick walks through another portal. Then Helen calls him. Rick, I was released from Unity. He's like, cool. So you won't mind if I spray this? I won't, but we're surrounded. And Unity knows your reload time. I really believe you and Unity should talk. And he sprays her. And she like falls to her knees. And then the crowd of others get like closer. Rick like takes out like some sort of like laser gun or something like that, points it to his head, and the crowd's all like, "Calm down!" It's like we came because we were worried about you. And he's like, "Why? We hear things, Rick. I tried calling, but is it true that you're looking for him again?" He's like, "You almost died last time. That's none of your business. You're our business. You quit that business, and you're fired from that business." <laughs> I think he said that. To, um, uh, his therapist. He's like, and I'm using, or wait, maybe he didn't say that, but then he's like, I'm using your last paycheck to cover the stapler you stole, which was my heart. And then a chopper flies down. President's like, Civil War, baby. <laughs> Starts shooting in the crowd. Oh, he's like, oh, sorry, that was supposed to be suppressive. 
They get in a chopper, and for some reason, Helen's like, thank you, Andre. He's like, thank you, Helen. And he's like, time to put these bastards on ice. And he knocks on a wall, cue up the dome. So Pilot hits a lever. These like little towers kind of like pop out of the ground and like some it looks like some sort of like cables or something like that. Or the sphere pops up out of a statue, floats up to like the, to the center of the state, I guess. The, the cables reach out, they go over like the cable and they attach. And then uh, he, the, the field, like, it's like a force field, just like shuts everything out. But then it looks like the, the, all the people in there, they're like in pain. And Unity is in pain too. And so now all the people inside the dome are kind of like frozen like vegetables. And flying over, Helen's like, do you have a dome the size of every state? And he chuckles, oh, you're going to need a second date for that answer. And Rick's like, barf. So then there's news reports on a dome. The White House says uh, President's cry of Civil War baby was hyperbole. Um, Co-anchor, co um, what's her name? Shonda? She, she, like, she hates the president. She's like, more like hyperbully. And she's going on about this. And you know, she's like, this president has been in, in office for how many alien invasions? Not to mention the mutant turkeys, the abandoned White House orbiting our planet, the eco-conscious uh, dinosaurs. Then it's Virginia with his perfect economy and synchronized lawn mowing. And so he shoots them and puts them in a dome. So the president's in a war compound. He's like, well, someone mute the GD news. He's like, if I wanted a list of failures, I'd dig up my mother. Then he looks at Helen. He's like, I'm, I'm sorry. He's like, that, that's a turnoff, right? Guy screaming about his mother in a war room. And he's like, Sanchez, America hates your dome. He's like, how, how long is it going to be up? And, you know, Rick's just like sitting by with his feet up on a table. He's like, hope you marked that. It was his dome in the chopper. Now it's mine. It will contain that part of unity till I shut it down because one of us here knows how to set boundaries. So Helen, therapist, she's like, Rick, I agree my accepting the mission was inappropriate. When I arrived, I didn't know that he was hitting on you. I was aware of potential romantic motivations and I was open to them. And President's like, bam. But I did not know you and I would be crossing paths. You mean you didn't care because... One on, on one hand, you got professional ethics, and on the other hand, you got world-famous schlong, or something like that. So then the president wants to fight. He's like, now I get to beat you. And Rick's, like, from his, like, robotic implants on his back, there's, like, several mechanical limbs come out with, like, weapons. <laughs> and one of the hands has, like, a, a voting booklet or something like that. So I guess that's a weapon against the president. Then this woman at, at the council calls, she's like, Alien vessel approaching Earth. It's hailing us. And Rick's like, put it through. And she's like, I don't work for you. And he's like, you couldn't. You suck. I'll do it. He taps at his wrist and Unity appears on his giant screen. And she's like, Mr. President. And, and he's like, lady, you bring that ship to America's planet. <laughs> he calls it America's planet. Uh, I'm launching 4,000 warheads, 3,000 of them, which will turn out to work. Then I'll call China and you'll, <laughs> and you're really bleeped. I don't know what that means. So then, uh, Helen, she's like, let's listen to Unity. And she's like, if I wanted Earth, I would have taken it. And the president's like, BS. And Rick's like, give me a break. And she's like, you cut off 8 million pieces of me. It hurt. And Rick's like, boo-hoo. You've made it clear we can't be friends, Rick, but I need to reconnect with those people so I can properly release them. They're hosting a mindless collective. If it connects to another mind, it could become its own colony. 
And Rick's like, oh, wow, you made a PowerPoint, you know, because she's like showing some, you know, has some stuff like that. She's like, I needed you to understand how serious this is. And Rick's like, I can handle it. And Prez's like, we got the spray, bitch. And Rick's like, don't talk to them like that. And then she, uh, Helen's like, Rick, do you not trust Unity? He's like, shut up. And Prez's like, apologize. And Rick's like, eat me. <laughs> and then Unity's like, do you not trust me, Rick? And and Pre the Prez's like, who would? Helen's like, let Rick answer. And he's like, baby, I know you want to help, but she's like, Andre, I think we need to move slower. And he's like, slower? I haven't even touched you. And you're already backseat war rooming? And then uh, Rick says to Unity, he's like, I don't trust you. You ghosted me to focus on your work. And your work is absorbing the universe. But it's my universe. P please go. We'll spray the Virginians before they touch anyone. Sorry you lost a finger, but that's the price of surprise bleep play. Goodbye. And Unity's like, goodbye. So then uh, Alien Vessel is departing. And the president's like, good job, people. And the war room cheers. But it's like, they didn't even do anything. And then the president says to the one lady, he's like, send out a press release. President sprays Virginia with the opposite of bullets. Write it better than that. And then to Rick, he's like, you riding shotgun or you sting butt hurt? And Rick's like, suck my bleep and lose my number. And to his therapist, you too. If you invite me to the wedding, I will poop in your punch. And then uh, he leaves her portal. And the president's like, oh, he'll be back. And he's like, what would you like for dinner? She's like, I'm not interested in taking this further. He's like, what? Why? That's insane. How can you be a therapist and insane? She's like, since you're asking for feedback, my sincere advice is that you overcome your need for approval. Okay, you want to play it that way? Well, there's an exit tunnel by the ladies' room. And she like turns the leaves. And he's like, it gets lots of use. And not and not just by sex workers. Can, can you at least tell security that I did the dumping? Rick walks out of the portal into his garage. Summer comes in. She's like, are you okay? And he's just like, yes. And she's like, the news said Virginia was hive mind. Yes. Was it? Yes. Oh my God, dude, whatever. When's the last time you saw your therapist? He's like, today. Well then, they, she sucks. No poop. Stop yelling at me. I need boundaries. Well, here's a big one, bleep face. She slams the door. And he quietly, he's like, sorry. Which is weird. Again, very unrick like that he actually apologized. He didn't apologize. I mean, she didn't hear him. Because, you know, she left the garage, clams the door. But he's actually said sorry. He's, he feels bad. So the president has this big vat of spray under his, like, big chopper. He's, like, starting to spray. They're not even there yet. He's, like, already spraying. The pile's like, We've, we're arriving at the dome, sir. And he's like, good. I don't need anybody. And he's like, what? He's like, what? I said, good. Tell me when we're there. We are. Roger that. I just want to see how we're looking. He takes out his phone and he checks like the news online. And the news is like, it actually zooms in. It's like, you can actually see President Curtis checking his phone to see if it will make people like him. He's like, there he is, frowning now. So you can like actually see the, like his phone, the screen, and him and everything. It's like, there he is. He's frowning, of course, as he realizes no amount of, of spectacle is going to undo his last debacle. Nothing short of 100% approval will help him in the next election. So then the dome is dropped, and he's like, 100% approval? And then he pushes like the cannon over. Whoopsies. Uh, I'll be right back when I go get that the thing. And he shimmies down like the hose. And the pilot's like, wait, what? What? On the ground level, he goes up to some people just like, because they're just standing around. He's like, give me that hide. He like touches them. He like sticks his tongue in, in some, some dude's mouth. He just goes and this other guy just, like does a Heimlich on, on someone. They start throwing up. And he's like, mother, forgive me. Just forgive me. I need it. 
and he go, goes under, like drinks like the last bit of vomit, and then his eyes turn like pea green instead of yellow, and, and then all the resin starts standing like straight, and he's like, holy, and they're all like, spit, but they don't say spit. Uh, so outside the, the dome, there's like loved ones, friends are like waiting, everything like that. So then you see the Virginians start running out and they start hugging and kissing, but then they're kissing other people and stuff like that. And people start changing the news reporter. He's like, Oh, now they're just kissing her. And then he gets vomited on. So then he's like, Oh, the president is the best man ever. And his mother was wrong at the war room. The guy's like, what was that? It's like, did, did someone close the, the lady tunnel? Hive people bust in and get them. In the garage, Morty comes in and asking if Unity was. He's like, she's gone, and I don't care. And Rick's, or Morty's like, I, I think she's back. He's like, hmm? In the living room, Summer's watching TV. She's like, did somebody order a cranky dick? He's like, I said I was sorry. No, you didn't. I said it quietly. Shut up. <laughs> I like that he tells her to shut up. And on the news, they talk to the, the, the hive, the governor now. He's in the, the new hive. And they ask him why Virginians came out running and puking at everyone. He's like, it's, you know, simple, newsman. They puke in the for the in the love of the president or something like that. He's like, we approve of the president. Everyone does. And a news anchor and Shonda, again, she hates hates the president. She's like, starts saying some stuff. Someone busts in. Shonda gets puked on. And she's like, she turns, you know, starts saying good things about the president. That she pukes on the other guy. And Morty's like, I thought Unity said she wouldn't do this. And Rick's like, that's not Unity. He tells him to like lock up and stay inside. And Summer's like, Dad's still out shopping. And Morty's like, where are you going? He's like, therapy. And Summer's like, thank God. So Helen is in a Secret Service car. She sees like traffic on her phone app. Then there's several like hive people, zombies start like banging on the windows. They actually bust the front windshield. They vomit in the driver's mouth. Then they start moving towards her. And this blue light forms over her. And she's beamed up like through the, the, the limo, the car, whatever, SUV into Rick's like space car and he's like you're rehired and she's like is is that unity he's like it's your boyfriend he must have linked with the severed hive mind and he's going to simulate the earth faster than I can fight it and she's like and you want me to talk to him there's no talking to him no human mind can keep itself together while controlling millions of people and she's like so where are we going I need unity's help so you need to convince her I'm worth it she's like you aren't he's like so lie so computer tells Unity um, on, on her ship, she's like, alien vessel approaching. And she sees it. She's like, tell him to turn around. And Rick's like, tell me in person. I'm already here. She's like, your, your ship was this? He's like, you have your gimmicks. I have mine. He's like, this is my therapist. She can vouch for me. And uh, Unity's like, we met. She was me for a second. She's like, what do you want, Rick? He's like, look, it's clear you weren't lying when you said you could have just taken over America. He's like, I need you to help me fix that. And she's like, oh, it took that to make you believe me? Why should I just believe you? You show up unannounced and hijack a state. She's like, I called you multiple times. You ghosted me. And the therapist's like, Rick, is that true? He's like, she dumped me. Why would I answer her calls? And Helen's like, all right, I'm going to commit a cardinal sin in couples therapy here. But Rick, I think you're wrong. And he's like, bringing you was a mistake. So she's like, you had an outer space lady who was worried for your life and your response was hostile enough to cause a huge problem. And Unity's like, thank you. And Helen's like, now you're asking her to both forgive you and solve it? Unity, 
I think the reason Rick brought me here is that he doesn't know how to indicate to you he's changed because he's changing very slowly, but he is. And Rick's like, all right, anyone else want to call me a baby? Maybe we can drag this out until Earth is fully assimilated. And Unity's like, all right, so you're asking for an invasion? A bunch of ships start approaching Earth. Uh, and then several like alien beings, people like under Unity's hive, you know, they, they start swarming and puking on all the infected people. And then they, they get to the White House. They kind of stop when they get to the president. And then like a smaller, you know, thing comes down with, with them. And the president's like, oh, Unity, you're here. He's like, I kept them warm for you. He's like, anyways, seems like this is all over. Helen, would you like to grab some coffee? And he's like, wait, Unity, where, what are you doing? And she comes up to him and she vomits in his mouth. And he tells Rick, he tells Rick that that's everyone. So Rick tells her, he's like, nice job, Unity. Helen says, like, this has been quite a session. Rick's like, hope you do group discounts. Uh, actually, just send the bill to the White House. So then later in Unity's ship over Earth, she's like, I wouldn't do this for anyone else. And he's like, yeah, it was nice teaming up. And she's like, no, I mean, I wouldn't be doing it. I'd never released hundreds of millions of people before. This is going to suck. So she's like, starts concentrating, whatever. And then uh, people start concentrating and they start vomiting. Or it's like, and everyone eventually goes back to normal. So Rick tries comforting her because, you know, she's, she says she's fine. You know, she's on her knees and trying to recover. And he's like, uh, do you want a painkiller? He's like, I'm on a few right now. She's like, no, no, thank you. He's like, I, I mean, you can hang out if you want. Come see the kids. He's like, I, I trust you now. And she's like, that's nice, but I don't trust you. He's like, mm, fair enough. He opens the portal. He pauses for a second and she like steps through. Back in his garage, he sighs. He goes to like his secret fridge thing, takes out a six pack, starts drinking. His voicemails, he has five like messages on there. So plays the first one. Hey, Rick, it's Unity. Uh, give me a call, okay? Beep. Hey, Rick, Unity, look, cards on the table. I heard you were going after that guy again. Just made me worried. Give me a call. Beep. Look, I get it. I dumped you. You're ignoring me, but I care about you, and I, I just want to know you're all right. Beep. Hey, Rick, listen, I'm just going to stop by Virginia, okay? I don't know what state you live in, but I'll camp out there and try to reach you. Hope you're okay. Beep. Hey, Rick, David Mis Miskovig here. Heard you were saying some really great things about Scientology. If you ever want to meet Travolti, and play back. So Rick opens a portal to the president's office. He's, he's got like the six pack and he like hands him a beer. He's like, oh, you really went all in on that approval, huh? He's like, yeah, Shonda's going to eat me alive. And Rick's like, eh, bleep him. And president's like, thanks, Rick. Don't take this the wrong way, but uh, I think I might need therapy. And that's the end. But end scene on the, some alien Larry King show, uh, the guy's Gary. And he's like, and we're back with Mr. Stabby. He's like, what do you say to people who say, I don't want to get stabbed. I want to go to a show. I have a right to not get stabbed. And the guy's like, well, Gary, I have a right to arms and legs, but I wasn't born with those. And I don't think that means I should be boxed out of an industry where, let's face it, there's zero representation of people with swords for arms and legs. And Gary's like, but do you have to take questions from the audience? And Mr. Stabby's like, people come to my show because they want the experience. If they didn't want it, they'd stop coming. And Gary's like, your show has resulted in the death of 58,000 attendees. And Mr. Stabby's like, well, you're talking about it. And that was the end. I don't know what that means. 
that he's talking about it because it's getting people talking. I don't know. So that that last bit, <laughs> I mean, a lot of times the the end credit scenes are are pretty funny. That one was just like kind of kind of a letdown after a, a pretty decent episode. So there you go. Yeah. That that was that was kind of kind of nuts. That was a that was Rick and Morty. All right, then um, I'm just gonna talk. I'm gonna do this kind of brief. I and I don't know. I I can't necessarily commit to this. So, um, let's see, we're last weekend, kind of out of the blue, you know, I have other things to watch and, you know, I, I always, oh, poor Tony, woohoo, you know, has no time to watch anything. And, and I don't normally watch things for fun, but, um, <laughs> kind of like a surprise move. My, my wife's like, oh, let, let's watch something. And she's like, oh, there's a, a, a show, a, a DC comics or something. I'm like, what? <laughs> Record scratch, like stop me. So now I'm, I'm like you know, look at the TV. So she, she watched, you know, it's like maybe like 10 seconds of it, rinds it to the beginning and it's, uh, bodies. So this is on Netflix and it's like based off the vertigo comics. And it's like Simon Spencer. At first I thought it was, it said Simon Spur. And I was like, wait, Simon Spur, he, he wrote this book and I've never heard of it. I was like, you, I've, I don't think, I don't think I've ever interviewed him. I think, at Seattle, I think I, I there was a, I forget what the book was, and and I, I think Matt ended up interviewing him, but it's like I know who Simon Spur, and and if he did, it's like it's like how did I never hear of this? It turned out it was Simon Spencer, and Simon Spencer, rest in peace. Is and sadly, it, that's that's the biggest bummer for me. Is I mean, well, it's not. not I mean, it's, it's sad that he's not here, but it's, he wrote this this comic. I think it was eight issues. And he didn't get to see it, you know, fulfilled and turn into this Netflix show. So that's it, a, it's it's a bummer. Now, um, like I said, so eight episodes, and I watched three of them uh, on so last Saturday, and I think it, it's it's pretty decent. I thought I thought it was a little slow. So my wife like really liked it. She ended up uh, Monday. Uh, she wanted to watch some more, and I was like, I. I can't Monday. I was like, maybe Tuesday I can, but she's like, I, I'm itching. I got to know what's, what's going on. So I'm like, okay, you know, just go ahead and, you know, you watch it. Cause we watch things separately all the time because I watched all this other stuff. And, um, and she's like, right now she's done with it. She, she finished it. So, you know, approval from her, if, if that means anything. Um, but what it is, so it's, uh, it's basically taking place over, different time periods um i think it's like four different time periods uh there's like this murder mystery and uh it's it's i i think it, it is interesting you know it starts off in 2023 so um as i mentioned i'm gonna talk about the f- first three episodes i don't know how how much spoilers i should do because i guess if it's only three episodes and as i also said you know i don't know if i'm going to commit to talking about like the re- any more episodes next week i mean we'll, we'll have to see how how things go um, I'm, I'm going to have a feeling it might be a no that I, I may not come back to it because, uh, well, we have invincible and, and we'll, we'll see, but it starts off in 2023 and, um, there's like this, this police officer, there's like some, uh, like demonstration going on like that. And she sees this, this dude with a gun, like hiding behind a dumpster. So she starts to chase him, you know, you know, she's not supposed to do that as, as they're going, there's like this like the lights start like flickering and stuff like that. Like, you know, light bulbs explode or something or whatever. And then, um, 
there's she comes in kind there's like a, a dead body and you, you see this this guy has like a has i think he had a tattoo like on his wrist and he's like shot in his eye i think it was his left eye or something like that so but it's like that, that and the, the kid with the gun he's like i didn't do it whatever then it cuts it, the time goes it goes back there's these weird transitions and I, I think they're trying to do kind of like comic book style like sort of i mean this is the only thing you you would have no idea it's based off a comic but it's like the panel just or just the scene just kind of trans i don't know it's a weird transition um it goes back to 1941 and there's this uh detective dude he he gets like this phone call from some so the lady basically tells him what to do or something like that and it's so he's he's kind of on the take in, in a way he's he's doing some stuff but she says she does say something she ends a call saying um know you are loved or something like that and that that's something that that comes up that different people say so he's supposed to uh go to this car like take care of this body or something like that so he goes to this car you know gets the, the key out of it he's driving and um it turns out like in the trunk is is a dead body and it's it's, it's pretty sure if i remember correctly it was like the same body it looked like the same body it's like wait is that the same body so is that the same tattoo same wound like what what and then it goes back to 1890 and it's like holy crap we're in the 1800s now so there's this uh detective dude in, in uh and, you know it's all taking place in, in london and there's this journalist this photographer who was taking pictures and because there's a body that was in this alley and uh it turns out the, you know they when they 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 look at the body it's it's like the the same thing and then where the first episode ends because it, it's supposed to be I, I i thought it was like five timelines but i think it's four the time changed i'm like okay we're not going back and i was like we're going to future it's going to be you know what it, and it does go to future it ends up going to, to 2053 then in the second episode you know it, it, it we start to see a little more like in 2023, 1941, 1890. And we start seeing some more stuff in, in 2053 also where this this officer, because she ends up finding a body too. So it's like, what's going on? And she's able to get like a DNA uh, sample, you know, from, from that body. And because after she reported it, like her, her superior basically kind of brushed it off because she's like, well, what about that body that I, that I came across? And, and you know because i i think he's like well you weren't supposed to do this or whatever like that she's like just you know it's being taken care of so she she actually goes to her brother who is like kind of like off the grid or whatever you know doing things and and he kind of like illegally does like a, a a dna test on it and and finds out that it's like this uh this this dude who he's like a a, a physics professor or something like that so she she goes there I can't remember now. Now I don't remember if it was uh, yeah. So she she goes to the place to find out like okay, this is where the professor was at, and she's like in in this lobby kind of talking to it. And there, there's more of that know you are loved stuff being mentioned and stuff like that. And then as she's like in the lobby of of this place, the dude that comes that was dead, he like walks in, but he's alive. So like obviously he walks in. So it's like wait, what the heck is is going on? The third episode got a little, little weird. Not, not necessarily weird. It's like, okay, where are you going? Because you know, we we got this like crime, you know, mystery, whatever story. So with, with the eighteen ninety stuff, what it turned out is like the photographer. I mean, it was clear. You know, you got this pretty strong indication 
that the photographer, um, well, actually, no, they didn't mention. It. So the photographer is gay, because uh, the the police officer, constable, whatever that said, well, you know, you need an alibi because in one of the pictures, there's like a reflection of someone that maybe witnessed a murder, caused a murder. And this guy, it turns out to be this, like super important, like, you know, po po political figure or something like that. But the, the officer says to the, the journalist that he needs an alibi. And so he was uh, taking pictures like during the night before of like uh, gay couples, like portraits and stuff like that. And there's like a picture of him also like that. So his uh, alibi could get him in trouble because, you know, if you're talking 1880, you know, was it, I mean, it's so, so ridiculous. I said that I was like, it's so absurd that it's like illegal to like someone, to love someone that whatever. Um, but then you get hints at like, okay, is this police officer gay too? Because like the way he kind of looks at him and, you know, there, there's that old stereotypes like, oh, if you're English, you know, whatever. But it's like, no, they, and the guy has a, he's married and has a daughter. The the daughter, it's weird because the actress playing his daughter is definitely younger than him, but they almost look the same age. It's like, wait, who's the wife and who's the daughter? That's besides the point. But in in this episode, oh, so then what the the, the officer does, he ends up going, he, he man, manages to go to the this political, I don't know if this is making any sense now, because I know I feel like, so this is what happens when I, I don't, like go full on recaps. I just kind of jump all over the place. So I, I hope this is making sense, but he goes to the, the, the powerful, whatever dude. And, um, his, someone in there is like actually going to be doing a seance. He says he has other guests coming. And, uh, so he, he goes to the seance and he wants to talk to the spirit of the person who was killed. He's like the person in this, these photographs and he's actually got the photographs and I don't know if he had any extra copies, but there's like also the, the reflection one with the dude who was just there. They give him some, some stuff to drink and I'm just like, and they, they kind of look at him as he's, he's drinking it. And I'm like, they're totally drugging him, right? And and they do drug him. Because then as the sand starts going, he starts like getting sweaty and dizzy, blurred vision, and, and things just like, you know. And I think it was like a fake seance because I, I couldn't tell if, if they're, like the table starts shaking, that the others, other people are like shaking it. Like purpose. I mean, I'm assuming it's got to be fake. And, you know, all this stuff's going on. He ends up like passing. He falls on the floor and passes out. So then they drag him into this other place they like lay him on this like kind of like a day bed and they put this other dude behind him and they actually like take a picture of him. So they're gonna, obviously going to blackmail him. They're either going to blackmail him or try to quote unquote ruin him because, you know, here's this police officer. He's supposed to be married. And then there's like a photograph of him in the arms of a dude. And then um, and there's some other stuff to go to. I say like now I don't even know if I should, I should bother with, with the other stuff because uh. 1941 um there's I, there's i don't know where i'm not really digging in 1941 with i i feel like there's probably got to be more happening there with this this officer who's doing some shady things in 2023 the officers you know she's trying to she try oh she did i think it was in the second episode she managed to track down the guy the, the kid with the gun like his parents and he found out she found out where he's going to be she goes to this mall and, you know, ranges this, like, meet with him. And he ends up, like, killing himself rather than getting arrested or whatever. And because there's this other guy with him that it was maybe it was his gun or something. And, uh, yeah. So that's basically basically the 
the third episode. Oh, and then uh, in the the future, you know, this this other dude, he's he's kind of freaked out. He's like, "How is that his body that's dead?" Because they end up like taking to, to see that, and you know, he's he's kind of freaked out, whatever. But then um, something happens to him, and it's a uh, yeah. So I'm definitely curious, like what what is is going on? So. You should check it out. That was horrible um, recap on the first three episodes, and I'm I'm hoping I can watch more like soon. I just can't guarantee that I'm going to be able to do it this next week. And the the comic, I don't know now. I don't know if it was ever reprinted as a trade. I imagine it has to be because then I, I I looked on on Amazon and it was like pre order. So I mean, maybe it was out of print. Cause I, did I say I think it was 2014 when it came out? I could be wrong. It the it was released on Halloween. It was October 31st was the release date for that. So I ordered it, but I'm not getting it until November 13th. It's like wait, this is Amazon. It's like maybe they just uh, didn't ha- have. Maybe it's not. Print. You would think they would print more if it's like a Netflix, like as seen on Netflix. Uh, it's it's weird. So I definitely recommend checking it out. And as I said, you know, my wife, she's she's thinks it's 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 great. And um, I'm definitely interested. She's and because she's like the, the fourth episode. Because I mentioned, I was like, I feel like it's a little slow. Not that it's like overly slow, but I kind of feel like with some scenes, I was like, you know, I don't know if this needs to be eight episodes. You know, they they could tighten it up a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling one of those, but I'm I'm doing that from a, an aspect of okay. I'm limited on time. I don't know if I need if this needs to be you know eight hour show. You can tighten it up a little bit and and whatever make it go a little faster. But she's apparently something happens in the fourth episode and it really starts you know amping up and so like I said, hopefully I'll, I'll watch it soon. So check out Bodies on Netflix. It's a uh, it's it's pr- pretty pretty cool. Okay, with Loki season two episode five <laughs> science fiction. I saw an article like. Loki season two rating aren't as good as season one. It's like, why? Why do you have to report on stuff like that? It's like, who cares? It's, you know, and and maybe not everyone's watching it at once. Maybe they're actually busy. You know, maybe they're gonna watch it all. Maybe they're waiting till it. Maybe they love binging stuff and they're waiting till all the episodes drop and then they're gonna watch it all. It's just I I just, I'm so tired of the negative posts about it and it's not just because i i really like marvel i just anything was like why be negative about anyways let's just do this so it starts out if you remember last week it was just like at the end of everything you know the loom exploded and there's white so this episode kind of picks up big white light and it's like lingers for it's like okay is what's happening then you hear loki breathing heavily and then then it's like close up you know he opens his eyes so you don't know where he's at camera starts panning out and then it's like he's still in that control room but he's all alone. There's like no one else in there. So it's like, what, what happened to everyone else? He starts walking through the halls and there's like no one there. It's like, you know, the lights are on, but nobody's home type of thing. And then, you know, you hear like an automated voice calling out like TVA code 1229 and it's like that. And Loki, he, then he gets one of his like time dilation fits. And he hasn't had that in a few episodes. And when he like materializes elsewhere, he's like, this is not happening again. And then he like shudders and disappears. He appears in this other work area. Uh, you know, it's it's there. I think it's in the big workspace where there's like the big uh, loom time branch screen, whatever. And there's someone there at the far end, like reading a book. And I was trying to look at who that was. And you know, he's like, "Hello," but then he disappears again. 
and he arrives back where he was like kind of like out out in the hallway area and he continues walking then he arrives at that area that he just appeared in but the guy reading the book wasn't there because at first i'm like wait is that supposed to be victor timely i'm like who's reading the book i'm, I'm just squinting I, and I'll admit, I was watching that on my laptop instead of my TV, which I, you know, I shouldn't be doing. But, I, and I shouldn't be doing because I should be watching on the biggest screen possible. But that's when I, I had time to watch it. So there's no one there. And then he, you know, walks up to where the other person was. There's like a TVA manual sitting on a council. So he, you know, starts looking inside. And then um, as he's looking at the book, someone's in a doorway, and you know, they disappear. They were like, "Hello," and then they disappear. So it was him. Loki saw himself and then he, he so I'm just like what's going on? and he just like stares at the emptiness and he like softly is like hello and then then one of the other council starts kind of like sprouting like weeds or ribbons kind of like almost like what happened to he or to Victor Timely when he just kind of turned into space spaghetti or something and uh, he puts uh, the book in his, in his coat pocket. An entire room starts getting overgrown with all this stuff. And instead of running out, I mean, I th would think he'd go out the doorway, to, you know, to, to the hall or something like that. But he's just standing in the center room, and then everything is just like overtaking him. He's just standing there, and then he disappears. And then you see like the the this big screen that this hasn't been touched yet. It's like uh, fail safe mode initiated, and then there's like a digital miss minutes you know crude digital it's like thank you for your service and then the screen kind of cracks and then it's like it's shut off because it broke then we end up where we see like this kind of prison like some sort of lockup um and it's it's nighttime there's a guy hiding under a cot and i'm like wait wh why is he there you see someone laying in the bed it was kind of dark i think it was like a fake body like almost like a paper mache body or something like that he goes to like the corner moves like this box and then there's there's like a fake like like a covering like a, a hole he made a hole there's two other guys in there waiting so one guy named clarence according to closed captioning you know they, they grab like a satchel or something like maybe like a tool or i don't know if it's a shovel or something they're like in between like the hallways like or in between buildings like in whatever and someone's like is this everything and um then i'm looking at this one as like is that casey it's like, wait, that doesn't make sense. So they climb up this hatch and they go up on this roof of the structure, whatever. Then the screen finally tells us this 1962 branch timeline, San Francisco, California. So it's Alcatraz. And they go by the shore and there's like something, I don't think it was a boat, but there's like some, some package or some, they start dragging something. And then as they're dragging this big thing, maybe it was a boat, I don't think it was. But then you, you hear Loki like grunting a ways off, like from... And then he runs up to him and he's like, oh, thank God you're here. He's like, is everyone else? And Casey's like, who are you? And Loki's like, not again. He's like, who am I? He's like, Casey, it's me. Please tell me you know who I am. And he's like, with the boat? He's like, you're in the wrong place. You're not supposed to be here. And there's this other inmate named John. He's like, who's, is this the boat guy? And Loki's like, I don't know anything about a boat. And Casey's like, how'd you get here? He's like, how did I get here? Or how did I get where? And Casey's like, Alcatraz. And Loki's like, what? He's like, I don't know how I got here. That's the problem. I don't know what's happening, Casey. This other inmate's like, Frank, why is this guy calling you Casey? And the other guy's like, I've been calling you Frank. He's like, I thought your name was Frank. And he's like, it is. And Loki's like, his name is Casey. And Casey's like, I don't know this guy. I don't know any to Loki. He's like, I don't know you. He's like, you got to find your own way off this rock. And they continue dragging whatever they have. And then Loki, he disappears. And then, 
siren starts going off, so they start moving. Loki appears in McDonald's parking lot, but then like right away he disappears, and then he's in this parking lot for Piranha Power Sports, and it's like, wait, are those jet skis? Is Mobius gonna be there? And then, then he appears in this like 70s kind of room. It's a, it's a TVA type room. There's like a big like two and a five, like 25 written on there. And then you look, I had to look carefully. It says like time theater. And then he disappears again. Now it cuts to New York, New York, 2012. So that's when uh, the Battle of New York happened. It, and it, we're told it's a branch timeline. So we see B-15. She's actually a doctor. She's talking to this little girl. She has like a cast on her arm. And, you know, she explains how it's going to help her heal, that she has to wear it for six weeks. And she's like, does it still hurt? And the girl like shakes her head. Then she's like, do you remember how it hurt when you came in? She's like, nah, it's yes. And so B-15, doctor, whatever, Dr. B-15 says, well, you might forget over the next six weeks. So then she writes on her arm, don't climb trees all the way across her cast. I'm like, dude, come on. And then she's like, that's not going to stop you, is it? And the girl smiles and shakes her head. Then she steps out of the room and she sees Loki appear, like in the hallway, and he disappears right away. And she's just like, whoa. And she's like sh totally shocked. Then we see Mobius. He's like in a store uniform. He's like on a jet ski. And I'm like, is he shooting a commercial? Because there's like a fake background, you know, there's fan. And he's kind of narrated. He's listed as Don in the closed captioning. He's like, with you know, wind in the hair, little mist slapping you in the face, nothing but open water in front of you. And someone's like, Don, Don. It's like, your, your son is calling on line three. So that he's, so he's sitting on, on a jet ski in, inside of like a showroom. It's Cleveland, Ohio, 2022, branch timeline. Then he asks his customers eating a donut there. He's like, what do you think? He's like, oh, I think I prefer a dirt bike. And he's, and Don Mobius, he's like, well, they say the personal watercraft is kind of the thinking man's dirt bike. He's like, come on, you ready for your Poseidon moment? He's like, jump on up this bad boy. And the guy's like, I'm good, sorry. And Don's like, okay, you know, call me if you change your mind or if you want another donut. So then Loki appears outside and, and he's in a parking lot and he's like waving his arms around because he's almost like he's like splitting into like different versions or whatever. And he comes together and he looks like a tube guy, you know, parking lot, one of those things, whatever they're called. And there's one out there. And then he sees Mobius like inside through the window. So he goes in there. He's like, you're here. And Don Mobius, he's like, it's like, oh, yes. He's like, every day of the week except Sunday, 9 to 5. And Loki's like, the TVA is gone. And Don's like, I think you mean ATV? He's like, and no, you're in luck. He's like, we got two of them in last week. They're upstairs. And Loki's like, you don't remember me either? And he's like, no, no. He's like, I do. You were, you were just in the other day, right? And then he's told, he's like, your son is on line three. You know, he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, single dad, give me a second. And he says to, I think the other guy's name is Dale. He's like, I told you to tell him I'd call him back. And the guy's like, no, it's your other son. So Mobius has two sons. And then he's like, tell him I'll call him back too. So then Loki disappears, but Don doesn't see him. He's like, turns, turns to go and he's gone. Now it's 1994, branch timeline, Pasadena, California. Someone's at a bookstore and they, they go up to the counter. They, they, this book, The Zartan Contingent. The cashier's like, I don't think I've ever seen this one before. So the closed captions list the guys, um, A.D. Doug, like A period D, Doug. And he's like, it's really good. It's one of, of the greats. It's like, I read everything he does. It's O.B. or Ouroboros. And the cashier's like, oh, I have to check this out. And O.B., he's like, I'd hurry. There's only a few left on the shelf. The cashier's just trying to ring it up, but it's like not the scanner won't read the barcode. 
He's like, well, I can give you cash. She's like, I don't need a receipt or anything. And she's like, yeah, but I have to ring it up. Or And she opens like the book to the back flap and she sees like the author photos. She's like, are you buying your own book? This other lady walks up. She's like, you. It's like, I told you, stop putting your sci-fi books on our shelves. And she like grabs some, like, like you know, five other copies or whatever. She brings them up. And he's like, science fiction is well-respected and thought-provoking genre. And she's like, nobody buys it here. So he takes the stack. He, he spills them on the floor when he's trying to open the door. The cashier is just like sitting there staring at him. He goes home, I guess. There's like this big room. It's kind of weird curved shelves on the side. Big, it's almost looks like the TV, a TVA room, but not TVA. He types something in the computer, carries the books somewhere. Um, but then Loki appears in front of him and he like shrieks and drops the books. And then he like falls back. Loki um, just like catches his breath. He looks down. He's like, he looks at Obi. He's like, what I'm about to tell you is going to be hard to believe. So then it cuts a little bit later and Obi's like, of course I believe you. He's like, it's a dream come true. One of my characters has come to life and needs my help. And he's like, this reminds me what happens in the, the son of Yorin. And Loki's like, what's that? He's like, just, you know, my most popular book of all time. And there's like stacks of books all over. He's like, I'm sure I can find you a copy somewhere around here. So I don't know if he has like other books or if he just is saying that. Loki picks up one from his stack and he's like, wait, you're a writer? And Obi's like, yes, yeah, science fiction. And Loki's like, I'm doomed. And he just like drops a book like on a stack. And, but then Obi's like, but this is kind of embarrassing. I have to get a PhD to keep my day job teaching theoretical physics at Caltech. And Loki's like, wait, you're a scientist as well? That's great. He's like, yeah, until I, I can quit and, you know, and write full time. He's like, you have no idea how hard it is to break. And he's like, hey, look at this. There's a copy. And he grabbed this from this other stack. He's like, you're one lucky man. And Loki's like, I'm sorry, can we just stay on track? He's like, of course. So uh, what exactly are you trying to do? I need to go back to before the temporal loom melted down. And Obi's like, you can't. It's impossible. But don't let that stop you. And Loki's like, I don't understand what you just said. Obi's like, or whatever this guy's name is. He's like, well, you time traveled in a place that has no time, right? Right. That's not possible. And Loki's like, I know. So you're traveling to a place that doesn't exist anymore. It's equally impossible. And therefore, it's something you might be able to do. And Loki's like, sure, excellent. Yeah, makes total sense. Doesn't sound like science. And Obi's like, no, but it does sound like fiction. You need to learn how to control your time slipping. And Loki's like, I can't control it. I can't just make it happen. It's random. And Obi's like, but it isn't random because you keep ending up around exactly the people you're looking for because you're not just slipping in time, you're also moving about in space. It's like you're a better version of one of those temp pads. And Loki's like, you make it sound like it's a good thing. And Obi's like, well, with science, it's all about you know, what and how. But with fiction, it's why. So why do you need to do this? And Loki's like, why? Why? He's like, I'll, I'll tell you why. Because if I can't save the TVA from being destroyed, there will be nothing to protect against what's coming. And Obi's like, well, if that's the real why that's guiding you, you should be able to control it. So go ahead. And he's like, now? Yeah, just do it. So he stands and Obi says, you know, he's like, he tells him to focus on what he needs to do, you know, what he needs to say for the TVA. So he extends both arms, like this big kind of gesture. He's like, and like nothing. And he, you know, then he said, Obi's like, just, just make sure you try. He's like, I mean, I'm trying. He tries again, nothing. Then he's flailing around and he's grunting, grimacing. Obi's like, you must be doing something wrong because uh, it really feels like time slipping is the answer. 
And then Loki's like, well, maybe focus on the science. So they look at this blackboard with calculations. You know, Loki's looking at it. Obi comes up behind him with like a little prod, like zaps him. And, and you know, he see, he's he says, okay, I'm, he's doing science or something like that. He writes in journal. He's like, well, we know electrical pulses won't initiate time slipping. And then a little later, he like jumps and screams in Loki's face. And he's like, oh, for God's sake. And Obi's like, ah, not, you know, fight or flight induced. Loki's like, okay, let's forget about the time slipping, all right? How does science help us get to a place that doesn't exist? Obi's like, well, maybe it does exist. And Loki's like, it doesn't. I saw it disappear with my own eyes. But then you said you also time traveled in a place that at the TVA, right? He's like, the time theater, yeah. If that's the case, then maybe the, uh, the place and time you're looking for still exists, but you just don't know where to look. So he tries this example that kind of like pens in a cup. You know, he's, he says that he has to get the band back together. And Loki's like, what? He, so he's like, you know, each of his friends have a separate temporal aura. So that means a group of people would have a collective aura unique to that moment in time. If they can get everyone together in one place, then they can read that aura. And it'd be like coordinates. And Loki's like, and we can use those coordinates to get back to the moment in time? And Obi's like, no. And Loki's like, why? We don't have one of those temp pads that you talked about. He's like, well, you can build one. Maybe, but without any knowledge of how it works, I would have to invent it from scratch. It could take a whole lifetime. But wait, I'm like, wait, Loki brought the manual with him. And then he remembers that. So he like reaches his chest pot. He's like, he holds it out. He's like, well, what if you had the knowledge? He's like, you wrote it. There's one on every desk at the TVA. And this Obi's like, so I am going to write a bestseller. And Loki's like, yeah, sort of. Let's get to work. And then he disappears. And Obi's like, oh, that's a problem. Then he appears in the suburbs. He sees Don like bringing garbage bins up at, you know, it must be he, after work. He's still in his uniform. He's like yelling and complaining to kids. You know, he's like, there's going to be a new rule. Any toy not in a room is going to be considered trash. You know, he's like picking up all the stuff. He's like, I'm tired of, of the place looking like a lunatic garage sale. And then there's like an army figure. He's like, is this burned? And there's a kid like sitting on the, on the ground, like by the driveway. He asks Kevin, he's like, who gave you those matches? Because he lights one. He's like, I stole them. He's like, ah. he tells he tells him to, to hand them to him. He's like, don't don't run. He runs. And then the other kid, Sean, he's about to get on his bike. And he, he's like, go get him. He, he's like, and if you keep him from burning down the house, I'll get you a puppy. He's like, and a snake? He's like, we'll, we'll negotiate. And then you know, the kid runs off. He's like, choose your battles. Loki comes up. He's like, hello. And then down to recognize after a bit, he's like, oh, you, you're from the shop. He's like, you live around here? Or did you follow me home? He's kind of joking. Loki like chuckles. Oh, no, no, no. He tries coming up with an excuse. He doesn't really come up with one. Because, you know, and, and he corrects Don when he says that, you know, he was there interested in ATVs and because Don, Don's like, you know, TBA. And he's like, well, I have something to show you. He opens a garage. He's like, normally I wouldn't dream of parting with one of these beauties, but the wife is long gone and I can't ride two of them. So he has like two like big jet skis in there. And he's like, do you want a beer or something? And Loki's like, no, no, no I'm, I'm good. And he, he finally says, he's like, I'm not here to buy a jet ski. I'm going to tell you something that's hard to understand, Mobius. But when he says Mobius, he's like, it kind of like snaps. He catches his attention. And he's like, Mobius. And Loki's like, Mobius. He's like, that's your name. That's your real name. And you belong in a place called the TVA. And he's like, is that right? Huh? He's like, you know, hold that thought. I'm going to go check. And he's probably going to go call police. It's okay. It's okay. He's like, it's all right. I'm a friend. And Don's like, I'm a friend too. And he's like holding up a little wrench. And then 
like a time door kind of loudly opens behind Loki and Obi walks out with like a big device. So he must have made a temp pad, but it's like really crude. So it's big. And Loki's like, what? How did you build a temp pad so fast? And then what's his name? 80. So it's Obi, but not Obi. He's like, well, I don't know if I'd say 18 months is, is fast. Well, 19 months. I had to take a break and, and move out when I lost my job and my wife left me. So what now? And Don's like, what's happening? And Loki's like, I promise you, this will make sense. And then we see them like walk out uh, through the time door. They're like across the street from Don's. And you can see the door is a little unstable. It's a little, little janky. Like it kind of like moves a little bit. So then Don Mobius, he's like whispers, like, how did you? And Loki's like, reality isn't what you think it is. And this isn't the life of the man I know. And Mobius like, I don't know who you know. I don't understand. And Loki's like, I know you from a place called, no, you don't. The Time Variance Authority, you saved my life when I first arrived. You saw something in me that I hadn't seen in myself. Are you really my friend? And Loki's like, I am. Well, who, who's he? Is he my friend? He's talking about Obi. Loki's like, he will be. Why don't I remember that? It's too complicated to explain to you now, but I need your help to save this place. The TVA, you once told me it was the only life you'd ever known. I sell jet skis, man. Trust me. What about my boys? Loki's like, they'll be fine. I can't leave them. W what do you mean, they'll be fine? I understand. Listen, look, you can come back anytime. And then we look across the street. We see like earlier Don and Loki, they're talking about like when Loki first arrived and, and that. And Loki's like, I can bring you back to any point in time. It'll be like you never left. Your boys won't even know you're gone. Yeah, but I will. And Loki's like, all of the existence is in grave danger. Don's like, I don't care. And Loki's like, your boys are in danger too. I can't keep them safe unless you help me. And then he's like, after like a little pause, he's like, what were you calling me? And he's like, Mobius. And he's like, it is a pretty cool name. Then we see a Dr. B-15, her, her whatever doctor's office, time door opens behind her in, in the hall. She turns, Loki walks out. This is going to sound strange. And then on Alcatraz, or actually off the shore of Alcatraz, uh, Casey or Frank and his buddies, they made it to shore. They're laughing. Time door opens up. Loki steps out. So they're all gathering at, at Obi or whatever his, his name is, his like office area. So I guess that's not part of his house. It's just a place he, he works at or hangs out in. And we see Casey pocket something. And I couldn't quite tell what it was. You know, something that was like sitting on a table or whatever. Don goes up to him and he's like, how you doing? He's like, I'm Don. He's like, Mobius is my space name. Are you part of this whole saving the... And then he's like, is this room safe? And it's like, I, you know, I wonder for the, the wormhole for the... And Obi's like, yeah, this whole area is totally abandoned. It's like no one around for miles. And then uh, B-15, Dr. Willis, whatever. She's like, so is this everyone? And Loki's like, no, there's one more. Then it cuts to McDonald's. We see Sylvie's truck in a parking lot. She gets off work. He sets her, her bag of food and drink down like on, on the back part. She, she's like, uh, starts to unlock the door. But then her, her bag just starts to dissolve or unravel. But she didn't see it because then she looks up and it's gone. You're shoom, Loki standing behind her. So she didn't see him appear there, but he's just there. And he's like, this is going to sound strange. I know you don't know who I am. And she's like, Loki, of course I know who you are. He's like, what? You do? And she's like, why wouldn't I? 
And Loki's like, nobody else did. Their lives were reset. And so he's like, yeah, I know. I was there. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This isn't how I thought this scene was going to play out. And she's like, no. What exactly were, were you expecting? And Loki has like a mini grunting thing, but he doesn't disappear this time. And then she's like, okay, get in the car. I'm buying you a drink. And then it's weird because then you hear the closed captions like it's it's Brad's voice and like Zaniac craves blood. So I was like, what the heck is that? Who, who's Zaniac? I thought was that the name of the movie? I, I knew it was with a Z. I thought it was like Zart whatever. So they're at a bar. Loki explains how Mobius' life at the TVA was taken from him. So was B15s. Obi, you know, Casey was a prisoner. And then we see um, the Zaniac is an arcade game. So it's an arcade game at the bar. And Loki's like, you know, they don't remember who they are. Their lives matter. They matter. And Sylvie's like, yeah. And they're finally back in their real lives. That's a good thing. And Loki's like, how many, if they had a choice, would have chosen to stay? Mobius always said the TVA was the only life he'd ever known. And he liked it. It gave him purpose. Sylvie's like, it was never his choice to begin with, Loki. He who remains did that. And Loki's like, but Mobius should have a choice now, no? Shouldn't they all? To return to the TVA if they want? And Sylvie's like, no, you'd be ripping people from their lives, showing them something they cannot unsee. What kind of choice is that? Loki's but they didn't get a choice in this, and I can't give it to them without you. And then she just kind of makes like a, oh, well, like gesture. And he's like, you don't care? And he's like, I guess not. I guess it's all worked out just the way you wanted it to. And you're fine just walking away. So selfish. And she's like, of course I'm selfish. I want a life. I want to live. What's wrong with wanting something, Loki? What do you want? I want to stop he who remains. No, wrong. Try again. What is it that you really want? Come on. And Loki's like, I want to save this. I want to save all of it. Everything. And she's like, is it really that hard? Come on. Keep trying. I want to save the TVA. Why? I want the TVA back. And I want my friends back. I don't want to be alone. And Sylvie's like, see, we're both selfish. I know this is hard, but your friends are back where they belong. But without them, where do I belong? Sylvie's like, we're all writing out our own stories now. Go write yours. And she gets up and leaves the bar. So we see Frank slash Casey. He's like, how much longer are we going to, is this, you know, are we going to be here? He's like, some of us have time sensitive activities going on. And Obi's like, oh, don't worry. He's like, we can get you right back to where we got you. And then Frank's like, so that doodad just takes you wherever you want to go? And Obi's like, within time and space, yeah. And he's like, so like a park? Yeah. Grand Canyon? Yeah. Bank vault? <laughs> and then Don asks Dr. Harris if she gets out on the water much. And she's like, swimming? And he's like, yeah. Or, you know, personal watercraft? And she's like, no, I live in a city. There's not much opportunity, you know? It's like, well, if you live on a river, it could be an exciting way to commute. Or, by the way, it's also nice to just go out in a pond and unplug, hit that reset button. And she's like, well, I'll keep that in mind. And he starts like, well, kind of walking away. And he's like, some good financing options available too. <laughs> so like he's just trying to sell, you know, jet ski or something. And Frank's like, well, if, if we're all going to have to wait, um, I'm just going to you know, borrow this thing for a bit. But then a time door opens, Loki returns. He's like, don't bother. You, you should all go home. And then we see Sylvie walk into record store and he's like, Oh, how's my new regular, you know, whatever doing. So I think the guy's name was Lyle. And then he's, you know, she says something and he's like, Oh, did you have a rough day? And 
then he's like, oh, I have something that will either cure what's ailing you or make it a whole lot worse. And he's like, you know, behind the counter, he pulls out like a record. And she's like, we really need to work on your sales technique. So she puts a record on like in this listening area. She's, you know, sitting back on a sofa. And then it's, uh, it's weird because the closed captioning didn't say, usually they list a song. It was, oh, I had, it didn't list it. It's, it's Oh Sweet Nothing by the Velvet Underground. And then someone walks in, it looked like, but I couldn't see who it was. But then for some reason, we see Lyle, because, you know, there's like a little bell over the door. So you see like the door open, the bell ring. And at first I'm like, is it Loki? Is it, but it wasn't Loki. Then I was like, is it, is it Victor? Because we haven't seen Victor. And it can't be he who remains. It's like, what? where is he at in all of this? Because, you know, he's at the end of time, so he's got to be somewhere. So, but when we see Lyle, he's like pouring coffee onto the counter. So there's like not even a mug there. But then as it's... um pouring off the counter it starts kind of floating out like the the space spaghetti stuff and then he like looks out the the window like behind you know because he's at the front corner of the store and you can see like sort of like the reflection like the same things happening everywhere like outside and then the the glass that he's looking through starts start flowing out and everything his the whole counter around him starts dissolving disappearing whatever and then he yells out to sylvie he's like sylvie like runs towards her you know she's got big headphones on but she she heard him and she's got her back to him and you know she turns and he's like running then he like leaps out reaches for her but then whoosh, he just like dissolves too and then everything around her starts unraveling whatever and then you know she's just sitting there it's like all all around her it's just like just a record and you know in, in front of her and then she opens a time door because i guess she still has her tempat that she took or whatever on her wrist and she like walks through so back at the one office space area don says loki's like you showed up and told each of us that we're the key to saving all of existence and now what we're not Loki's like i'm sorry i got it wrong all right i it was more about what i wanted you should get back to your sons and he's like i know but that's just it you said they were in danger so now they're okay you should all just go back to your lives that's where you belong and frank asks he's like but uh do i need to go back to exactly where I was. And Obi's like, what about the TVA? And Loki's like, the TVA, you're fine without it. You're all just fine without it. And then a time door, you hear it opens. And Sylvie's like, no, they aren't. Everything's falling apart. The branches are dying. And Don's like, what does that mean? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know what's happening, but there must be something we can do. Loki's like, we can go back. We can stop the loom from melting down. Obi, we're all here. The pens. We have all the pens, the mug. And, and so the others don't know what he's talking about because that was what he said earlier. He's like, the coordinates. So Obi's like, ah, okay. He's like, first we need to read the collective temporal ores of everyone in this room on the tempad. And he's like, where did it go? And he like, they look at Frank. He's like, I didn't take it. And Loki's like, listen, you can rob every bank you like when this is done. We need that tempad now. And he's like, great, but I still didn't take it. But he took something. Then um, Frank starts to dissolve, like unravel, and then he's gone. So Loki's like, what do we do? Then Obi just like looks at his hand. It starts unraveling too. Then he's like, it was a fiction problem. And he's gone. And Don's like, no, no. He's like, I need to get back to my boys. I, he's, he's, he starts running towards the door. He's, he's gone. Dr. Willis is like, is this it? And she unravels. She's gone. Sylvie's like, there's nowhere left to go she unravels and it's just loki and then we hear ad is it ad doug ad something whatever um 
because the closed caption list because it's it's not obi it's the other guy his other version and you know you just hear his voice like echo like it was a fiction problem then you hear sylvie's voice echo everything's falling apart and don's like you know his his voice echoes no i have to go back to see my boys and sylvie's like what's wrong with wanting something and then it says mobius mobius like if i could go anywhere and hunter b15 says i looked happy and mobius voice says wherever it is i'm really from and then Casey's like, the TVA? And then Sylvie's like, you know, her voice is, do you think that what makes a Loki a Loki is the fact that we're destined to lose? And then Loki's like, Aah! he lets out like a big scream. And then the room is back. Stuff is still unraveling. But then like Sylvie says again, she's like, there's nowhere left to go. He looks around and then he looks like straight forward. Uh, the, he warbles a, a bit, but then he's like back to sitting on a bench in the room where everyone's like behind him. And, and, you know, right before Sylvie walked in and then, you know, she's like, no, they aren't. Everything's falling apart. Branches are dying. And, and then Don's like, what does that mean? And she's like, I don't know, um, but there must be something we can do. And then Loki's like, I did it. And she's like, what? Loki's like, I did it. She's like, did what? I controlled it. AD Doug's like, you learned to control your time slipping? And he's like, yes, it's not about where, when, or why. It's about who. I can rewrite the story. And then he raises his arm slowly. And then he's back in the control room next to Obi, like at the end of last episode. So Victor Timely must have just gone down the stairs to put on the suit. It's over. That's the end of the episode. So it, it, there still must be something with him going, you know, why did he dissolve that Loki in the, you know, that was outside the elevator? And she's like, this all makes sense. So, you know, it must have something to do with this. But then it was funny because I'm always hesitant now, you know, because there's, there's so many credits, but then, you know, once in a blue moon, there's like a mid credit scene. Very, very rarely. So you never know. You know, you can just kind of skim for it. The nice thing about the the players, like is if, if you watch on a laptop, you know, you, you can just kind of like hover over and you can see credit, 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 whatever. But I just had it playing. I was, I was, I was uh, doing something else. <laughs> and then uh, at the very, very, very end, you died. Insert your coin, loser. <laughs> Says Brad from the video game. That That's how it ends. And, you know, I'm going to say it. I love the fact that we have to wait a week now for, for the next episode. Because now it's just like, okay, what does this mean? He can rewrite things. And and I, I just, I really love the fact. I, I, I like Loki as a hero here. Because uh, as a villain, like in the Avengers movie, you know, it's just you know whatever i think he's he's so much better and maybe it's it's a tom hiddleston thing i was i was just said tom holland i was like wait <laughs> did i say the right one uh i almost i think it's may, maybe has something to do with with the actor because you know he's he's you know got charisma or charm or whatever and he just the way he plays loki you know it, i i want loki i want to root for loki but i don't want to root for a villain and that the fact that, you know, he does care about the TVA and, and maybe it is just the fact that he cares about his friends. He just wants to have friends. He never really had friends growing up. You know, he had, he had a brother that he was jealous of and competed against. So, you know, they got along on some occasions, you know, we, we, we heard, but I, I just, I really want things to work out. You know, don't we all, don't we all just want to have friends, have some people with us? So that was Loki. And I, I, I love just the fact that we have to wait. And now the movie feature. So as I mentioned before, <laughs> you know, I, I totally messed up. I thought the Marvels coming out this week and I didn't know what there was to watch. I'm like, there's, there's nothing playing. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking 
at at the list and i'm like okay so we have you know november 3rd uh we have you know priscilla's i think that came out what happens later and I don't even know what that is because I on the website I'm I'm using like firstshowing.net. There's this calendar. They have everything there. It's awesome. So I just keep the tab open. So so thank you, firstshowing.net. Uh, you know I don't act look. I should check out the site more often. I don't look at anything else. I used to way back in the day, but I'm glad that this this page is here. And what what's nice the way they have it organized. And yeah, I'm going to promote them because I I'm, I'm using this. What what I like about this uh, schedule that they have and it's a 2023 schedule is on on most of like uh especially like the bigger so most, most of these things that look like you can kind of if you hover over you get like a, a pop-up of like the poster so when i saw the marsh king i'm like wait who's that that's that daisy ridley but when i look i hover over um it happens later i see two people sitting on a bench and i'm just like um i don't even know what that is i i don't want maybe it's two actors i like that's not a compelling poster so i didn't even click on it and then there's like all these other things like all dirt roads taste of salt in theaters and there's fingernails uh in theaters apple tv and there's naiad quiz lady on hulu wait what's quiz lady um then there's radicals in theater uh rumble through the dark in theaters rustin in theaters and sly Sylvester, oh, Sylvester Stallone on Netflix. So it, it's nice, you know, this is what how I look and, and you know, I, I can see, you know, next week, you know, we have the Marvels and everything. So I totally messed up there. I was like, there's nothing out. And I happened to hover over Marsh King's daughter. And I when you click on the page, it, it brings you to like the landing page, or whatever they have. They have information there, posters, they have a trailer embedded there. So I watched the trailer and I'm just like, this looks interesting. Uh, you know, and... I, I, what I really liked about the, you know, so it had Daisy Ridley, you know, she, I think she's, she's great. The, the few things I've seen her in, it has been Mendelssohn. I always forget, like, what else have I seen him in? Let me just look real quick. Um, and you know, maybe I might not know him in anything else. See Animal Kingdom. Oh, Dark Knight Rises. Who was he in Dark Knight Rises? Starred up Mississippi grind rope rogue one. Um, duh. The darkest hour ready player one oh yeah and uh but you know it, it's recently he was talos in secret invasion and um secret invasion was fine and all i enjoyed it you know i, I wish things some things had gone a little different but you know he was good in, in the role and and I'm, i don't and i don't like what happened to his character but that's you know the way it goes so i saw watch this trailer i'm like i'm gonna watch this because what, what i was thinking about doing is there's still a uh, Tom DeLonge movie, Monsters of California. I, I bought it on video on demand. I still haven't had a chance to watch it, which uh, it's, it's makes, it's, it's, it bothers me. But it, whatever, it's just about time. I will watch it. Sometime. I wanted to support Tom in the movie, so I bought it on, on digital, even though I, I'd rather have a physical if, if possible. Um, but I, I, you know, I was like, I don't know if there's going to be a demand for that. Cause I, I feel like sometimes with the podcast, I feel like people sometimes click and I don't know. I mean, if you're listening right now, you may not be listening right now, but I, I feel like a lot of times what's in the main feature, I, I feel like that might drive a little more traffic sometime. So I don't know if maybe all listeners aren't consistent. I really don't know. Or maybe people are like, well, I'll listen to it later. You know, it's like, oh yeah. Or, you know, I, I think sometimes people are like, I'll wait till I watch that. I, I don't know. I don't know what your listening habits are. And I know, you know, you're busy and you got other things uh, to do, other things to listen to and all that. So I wasn't sure how that would be, but Marsh King's daughter, uh, 
you know, I don't think that that's necessarily like name recognition. People are like, oh, this week's episode has Marsh King's daughter. I, I got to listen to that right away. I don't know how, how will it, because I never, even, I didn't hear a thing about this movie before I happened to click on, on that. And if, if, if I didn't happen to check, if I would have said, yeah, I'm just going to do the, the Tom DeLonge movie, I never would have known anything about that because I've never once seen a trailer. Um, I don't watch a whole lot of TV because, uh, you know, only like like Chucky and <laughs> I'm, I'm so far behind on the ridiculousness. It's the only time I really watch TV. So I never would have known anything about this movie. And I, I'm glad I, I watched it. So it's p- released by Lionsgate. So you would think that there'd be some sort of promotion about this. It's based off a, a, a book by Ellie Smith. So I'm going to listen to the book, even though I watched the movie. I'm, I'm just curious to see, you know, is there more? Are things fleshed out more or whatever? I don't know when I'll get to it. Uh, I'm currently listening to the Matthew Perry book, which is, is kind of hard and sad. But, you know, I, I, I'm just, I want to celebrate his, his passing. Or not celebrate his passing, but celebrate his life. And just listen to, you know, the hardship that he went through and all that. So with this, it's directed by Neil Berger, who, you know, he's done some stuff. You know, he, he did Limitless. He did, didn't he do the Divergent movies, I, I think? I, mm, I, I could be wrong about that. Uh, but, so I, I watched it, and it's, it's a good movie, and it's not a great movie. I'm really surprised at the, the Rotten Tomato score. So let me just refresh to see. The Rotten Tomato score, it's at a 38%, but what's weird is there's no audience score. And and still, you know, we're talking, you know, a couple days after, you know, release and all that, because usually once the, the preview nights, you know, the, the Thursday night showings go, I think some people start submitting reviews or whatever, you know, the, the audience scores, but there there's nothing here. So I, I don't know what that is. And part of me is like, did it just not open wide? Because... At my theater, uh, you know, my, my theater has has lots lots of screens. It was like in the very last one, and this is it's it's a place where when you walk down this hall, the way it's laid out in the building, whatever, you have to go down to all these halls, and and you have to turn this way and go. I'm like, wait, am I about to? Because I, I I'm rarely in that theater, and I like that theater. I actually feel like I like this one better than one of the other smaller ones. And I'm like, am I going to end up outside in the back alley or something? Because am I going to go out the wrong door? And I'm like, wait, where's the door? Then there's there. Oh, there it is. And, you know, it, it, so it was in a smaller theater and, and it was just, I, I don't think, I feel like there's no promotion on it. All right. What is it about? Um, here's the movie info. I'm just going to read this directly. This is from Rotten Tomatoes. In the tense thriller, The Marsh King's Daughter, a woman with a secret past will venture into the wilderness she left behind to confront the most dangerous man she's ever met, her father. Which, okay. That's a, a little, little uh, dramatic there. In the film... Um, Helena's seemingly ordinary life, so that's Daisy Ridley, um, hides a dark and dangerous truth. Her estranged father is the infamous Marsh King, Ben Mendelsohn, the man who kept her and her mother captive in the wilderness for years. When her father escapes from prison, Helena will need to confront her past. Knowing that he will hunt for her and her family, Helena must find the strength to face her demons and... Wait, hang on, show more. (laughs) And outmaneuver the man who taught her everything she knows about surviving in the wild. Add that that description's a, a little a little cheesy, but it, it's it's pretty pretty close to, to the mark. Based off of that, you know, I, I don't know if there's not there's not necessarily spoilers there, but it starts off where she's maybe like twelve years old. You know, she's living out in the middle of nowhere. I think they're in like Michigan. Um, 
it doesn't say here I, I'm pretty sure it was like the Michigan Upper Peninsula or whatever area. So it's like total middle of nowhere. And, you know, they, they live in this shack. There's, uh, you know, out in the woods. There's, you know, like a pond or river. I don't know, there's a river nearby and a lake and, and, and all that. And, you know, we see her. She's just, you know, her, her dad's like teaching her things. You know, she kind of sneaks out. She's supposed to be doing chores around the house or whatever. And, and you know, she just wants to hang out with her dad and he's you know, teaching her to hunt and track and just all this stuff like that. And the other thing he does, he, he does like self tattoos because she's got like these dots like on her face. And it's supposed to be like those are the only tears he wants to see in her face or something like that. And that doesn't seem like a good thing if that's what he said. It's almost like that he doesn't want her to cry. You're like, you know, she has to be tough. She can't, which that's, that's a little crap. But, uh, you know, we she he, she has some other tattoos. Like you see in a trailer, there's like a tattoo like on her neck of I think it's like a, a deer or stag. It was like after her first kill or something like that. So she's got these tattoos on her, which I mean, as a kid, it's like, you give her a choice, whatever, and, and you know maybe she thinks it's cool and all that. But you know, she has these as an adult, and you know she's got the secret life. And so there's times like the ones on her face. There, there's a whole thing. She's at at work, working in an office where, and she's got to like cover them up. It's like really hot, and she goes like wipe some you know some sweat from her. Then she like realized she wiped off some of her foundation, so she has to go touch it up and stuff like that. But anyways, so you know we we see her as a kid, all this stuff like that, and it's it seems like things are, are pretty, pretty well, you know, her mom's a little, mm, but you know, sometimes that's how it is. And then eventually, you know, if, if you didn't know the story, you realize that they were being held captive there. Cause you know, something comes and, and the mom, she's like, we got to go, we got to run, whatever. And, and cause but what happens is someone, someone gets lost or like on an ATV and they come up and she's like, you got to get us out of here. But the guy's like, I don't know where I'm at. I'm turned around. And, and then things kind of like, you know, tense up from there, and uh, yeah. So then life goes on. They obviously they make it back to civilization, and you know, dad gets arrested. He's in jail. Um, you know, what else did he do? Spoiler: He kills a guy in ATV. You know, so so there's there's that, and he you know he gets locked away, and she you know she has no idea what's going on. You know, Helena, and as a kid, you know, she's like, what, "What'd you do?" She's like yelling at her mom, and she's like, "Where's dad?" and and all this stuff like that. So then she grows up and then, you know, she's married. She has a kid. Uh, no one, you know, her, her husband doesn't even know her past. You know, they, they go to like a work function for him. And, you know, this lady's like, oh, that's an interesting tattoo. And then, you know, you can see her. She's a little uncomfortable. She tries, you know, it's like on her neck. She tries covering it up with her hair and everything like that. And, but then the lady like asks about another one. She's like, oh, wait, where'd you get that at? And it's like, lady, read the room, even though you're outside. It's like, she obviously doesn't want to talk about it. And she's like, oh, you know, just you know, got it young, too young. And, and eventually what happens, uh, Marsh King, you know, her dad escapes from prison. I won't go into the house or whatever. And news comes out. And then like all the police FBI, they go to her house. And then like one, she's like, what are you doing here? Or whatever. And you know, she's like freaking out. And her husband comes home. He has no idea what's going on. He, he's kind of a jerk at the beginning. And he's like, I'm going to, you know, take the daughter. And he's like, well, you know, we'll talk later. And it's, it's like, I, I get that you'd probably be pissed and everything like that, but you got to understand there must be some reason. And because and he, he heard about the Marsh King escaping on, on the radio, I, I, you know, he and he does come around. You know, he, he is a little more compassionate later. But at, at that first reaction, I'm like, this guy's a jerk. So that's basically like, you know, the story like that. It's like he escaped. Is he going to come back? And 
it maybe you know the way that the script is the story is and i you know i don't know how the book is but you know it is it is a little little thin you know all that so basically he he just wants to be a family again you know he's he's been in prison all these years he just wants to be back with her you know her mom i say i'm not feeling like i'm saying too much you know her mom passed away and so he it, he just wants he wants it to be i, I guess i won't say anything he wants he wants them to be together and uh but she's like, it's like, no, you know, I have a family type of thing. And, you know, she doesn't want to, she's not going to want to go for that. And you can kind of figure out where it's going to go. I, I, I was skimming through the, the little sound bites on Rotten Tomato. And some people, actually, I guess I can go back. Um, let's see where they have Because, uh, see, like someone says, B-movie material elevated by A-level performances. I agree with that. Because I, I think Daisy Ridley and... and uh, uh, ben Mendelsohn's were great. There's this other cop guy. He he's what was his name? He's he's a famous dude. Uh, Gil Birmingham. You know he's he's been in, in stuff. He he was was good. And uh, let's see what what else. Uh, but some people aren't aren't super crazy about this. There was one I I saw. I don't remember the film's pacing sags, undercutting the sense of urgency that makes it a thriller. Uh, I don't know about that. But there's something about like the the um unsatisfying ending or no maybe i saw that wait where did i see that um on wikipedia reception um so 39 percent of 23 critics reviews are positive with an average of 5.4 out of 10 the website's consensus read the marsh king's daughter begins with plenty of promise and has a remarkable cast but they're outweighed by the story's dawdling pace and clumsy conclusion i yeah, I, with the sort of clumsy, clumsy conclusion part. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if I would call that clumsy. Because so here's the thing: when when you're thinking about this, you know, as as you're listening and you haven't seen the movie, and you know, I'm not going to say how it ends, but you know, there there's only like, yeah, yeah, okay, yes. There's there's limitless ways a movie can end. There's so many different things can happen. But I feel like in Hollywood, you know, there's kind of, with a movie like this, there's kind of only two two ways it can go, and. I I don't think it necessarily goes the most obvious route. You know, maybe kind of, but maybe not. I, I, I don't think it's it's super obvious. I mean, maybe, I, I don't know, I, I could be wrong. But I I didn't think the pacing was that bad. If anything, I feel like the pacing was a little too fast. I, I thought things, you know, went kind of quickly. But they were making it sound like the pacing was slow. And I, I don't feel like that's the case because, I, I don't know. But... I, I enjoyed the movie, you know, like I said, it's not, it's not the greatest movie ever, ever, you know, it wouldn't, I don't think it necessarily would even, you know, make top 10 of the year, I'd have to, you know, think about all the movies I watched this year, but I, I did enjoy it, and I, I think, even though I am a big, big fan of the franchise, and the Marvel movies, and the sequels, and all that, you know, I, I love having that familiarity, you know, I, I want to see more, so if I go into this movie, it's like, okay, yeah, here we go, I know what's going to happen, I know these characters, and you know, because you don't need the whole introduction part, you don't need the origins, you know, you know who they are, it's like, getting back with friends, you know, you just pick up where you left off type of thing. But at the same time, I, I do like something new. And it's just like in comics, you know, when there's a, a new image comic and new number one, 
I'm like, okay, you know, sell me on this. You know, what's going on here? Because then you don't need to know. You don't need to worry about what happened before. And, you know, maybe with the Marvel movies, if you aren't consistently, you know, religiously going to the theaters, you might be like, okay, what was the last Marvel one? Do I know where this character was, you know, or what happened in between? You know, there's there's all that unknown. So here, bam, you know, totally new. You don't need to know anything. You can just sit back and watch it. So it is refreshing to get something new, even if it's not necessarily the most original creative you know story but but i think that there is enough there and to me you know when i saw that trailer it sold me you know i was like i i'm intrigued to see where this is going to go has the story been told before i don't know uh i'm not overly familiar with anything i can't can't tell you anything that's like this but i i like the idea that it was something new just like you know seeing the creator a few weeks ago something totally new and you know, I I don't think that there's anything wrong with liking both of it. You know, it some people it seems like you can only like one or the other. It's either you like all the CG movies or you only like the original movies. And no, that that's just that's just dumb. That's silly. You know, you, you should have a wide variety. And it goes for everything, even music. You know, I don't just like one genre of, of music. And you know, whenever like my students ask me who I like, I'm like you know Taylor Swift, Blink One Eighty Two, totally two completely different genres and performers and all that. But that's what makes me happy, and I, I think the same thing with these movies. Uh, where this this is you know it's just something new and different, and it, it was refreshing to see that, and it felt like it had a smaller budget. You know, I don't know because looking at uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, that had apparently a humongous budget. I don't know if it's just to recreate the time periods and all that. But this movie, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of settings. You know, you're in a small town, you're out in the wilderness. I, is it expensive to fly out there, to shoot out in in a marsh in the woods? I, I don't know, but it felt like it was a smaller, you know, lower budget movie. And I, I hope that that's true because then I hope, you know, it doesn't have to, you know, depend on a huge box office for, you know, be profitable or, or break even even because we should have more movies like this. I want I want Marvel movies every month. <laughs> I would take one every month. I would almost say every week, every week would might be too much, but I would I you know, I want more of those. I also want you know movies like this too to mix things up and I, I I hope we get more. So I would recommend seeing it. Doesn't need to be seen on a big big screen. It doesn't need to be, but it is good to support the movie. You know, some people are like, well, I'm just gonna wait till it's streaming or whatever. And you know, maybe there's some benefit from that. You know, there's some numbers and tracking information, all that. But seeing it in the theater, you know, why not treat yourself? Go to theater, get some friggin' po- I I didn't get popcorn this week. Oh, it's so hard when I, I fight that urge. I try to resist because, you know, eating popcorn every week is, is not good, especially, you know, when you get older and all that. I resisted, and um, I, I was just, just still thinking about it. Like, after, I was like, man, I, I wanted popcorn. I should go back. I'm not. I didn't. <laughs> but it's. I, I think it's worth watching. It's not the best movie ever, but you know, like I said, the performance were good. It's interesting, and, and there there's some cool moments in that. And yeah, so The Marsh King's Daughter. And I'm, I'll probably listen to the book after I, I finish the Matthew Perry book just to, to see how it compares. And it's gonna, that'll take me a while because I don't you know spend hours and hours listening. But if I think of it, maybe I can mention it. I don't know if anyone's going to remember by the time I'm done, but it's worth, worth watching. And, you know, you want to support, it's just like you want to shop locally, you want to you know, support the smaller movies too as well. And you want to support your local theater, so they keep showing movies. There's another theater nearby just like suddenly shut down. And, you know, I, I saw an article on like, I think it was like Facebook where 
you know, this one, apparently this mom went to take her kids, you know, pick up her kids from school, went to go see Paw Patrol, and the theater, there's a sign on, on saying theater's closed. Like, no warning, so I don't, I mean, and I guess if people had gift certificates or whatever, there's supposed to be like an email that you can, you know, write to. That's That stinks, because, you know, I didn't go to that theater very often, like hardly ever, but uh, it stinks for all the people who did go there, because now their theater's gone. So you, you got to support theaters. And you, <laughs> support me, too. That's going to be the podcast for this week. So two people that support me immensely, big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They, again, they are my heroes. Uh, I, I, I'm so grateful. You can be a supporter at any level by going to patreon.com slash gmanfrompeck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones here or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I was just talking about X-Men, The Hidden Years. I'm, I may continue with that, but I really think, and I could, I'm, I'm going to try, and maybe if I say it now, that'll put more pressure on, on me to do it. I, I, I really want to delve into the Batman-Catwoman uh, Battle for Gotham you know, s- story arc. Because there's, there's things that I want to talk about, and there's, there's th- I have some thoughts on it. I don't necessarily agree with some things, but I, um, so I might do an off my mind about that. And um, yeah, I, it, it's not really like an off mind worthy necessarily. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. But I'm, I might do that it's by saying it. I, that might be forcing me to do something because I want to do something a little different. I just want to, you know, cover comics week after week. And, and like I always say, you know, it, it, what, whatever you want, if you're a patron, you know, you let me know what, what you'd like me to talk about on that bonus podcast. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That's ko-fi.com slash gman from heck okay so now for real what is going to be next week next week for real is going to be the marvels so we have the the marvels i i'm excited for that i know a lot of people want it to fail i don't understand why anyone would want it to fail but i'm i'm super excited for it uh i i like the characters and and I'm hoping you know Monica Rambeau. I have nothing against her. I just I don't feel like you know we we had enough. You know, just WandaVision, You know, she she was fine in, in that, but uh, hopefully this this will make me like really you know come to appreciate her. So we'll, we'll have to see um, other stuff that you know we'll, we'll have we'll have the regular you know we'll have have Loki. Um, Rick and Morty. Probably again. I'm. I think I'm just gonna keep up with with one Doom Patrol. I may just cover the rest of uh, the bodies. Just just kind of. I won't spoil the whole thing, which is weird because I you do spoil everything. Um, but I, I may talk about the, the rest rest of that. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm. I'll, I'm probably finish that. I'm gonna make sure I, I finish that by then. Um, also, so, uh, what so didn't invent, so Invincible started this last Friday. Um, I haven't w- had a chance to watch it season two. I don't know how many episodes dropped. I should look at that. Um, hopefully, so I, I think we're going to be like a week behind. Actually, let me see. All right. I, I just looked it up. Surprisingly, I am, I'm shocked and I am so grateful. Thank you, Amazon. They only dropped one episode on November 3rd. Wow, that is great. That is amazing. And that's how it should be because that gives them eight weeks of new material, 
rather than saying, here's two two episodes and you get seven weeks, or here's three and you get six weeks. Because this way, you know, they're talking two months that you need to su- subscribe to Prime if you're not already. So I, I think we'll just be a week, I'll be a week behind. And that gives you time to watch and everything like that because there's just no way, I mean, it's it's so incredibly hard. I know it sounds silly. It's so hard for me to watch Loki and then, you know, record the podcast, edit the podcast, post the podcast, you know, even though that's Thursday night, but Thursday nights I go to the movie, so I can't watch it on Thursday because it's like 6 p.m. when it posts my time. So I, I, I really can't watch Loki until like Friday, but Friday after work, you, you get it. Um, and then after that, I'm trying to, let me just skim real through. I should have done this earlier. I don't think there's anything else. See, Monday, Tuesday, I may have to edit this. Um, doesn't look like anything's coming up, but then next Friday, For All Mankind starts, or this this Friday, not next Friday, this Friday, For All Mankind Season 4. It's a great show. I'm still, I think, on Season 2, which is embarrassing. Um, And then there's The Killer, which is a Netflix movie. I really want to see that. I don't know if I'll watch that right away. Um, But that's going to be it for the podcast. So again, I'm super excited for The Marvels. I hope hope it's a good movie. I hope it does well. Uh, I'm not rooting for anything to fail. That's just ridiculous that, you know, people would do that. I'm not even a root for the the Zack Snyder Rebel Moon to fail. Like what I hope hope the Snyder fans are are happy with. I hope it's a good movie for whatever you know Netflix is paying and, and all that. I just just be positive. So try to uh, be positive in life. Try to be a good person. Take care of yourself. Take care of others. Just try to do the right thing. And just just be good to each other. 